FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 82 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason, one angry little snow globe of Venable. And I'm joined again by Flashback co-host Cameron, Sin- or Cameron score one for the psycho Sinclair. <laughs> you almost messed up my name. I did, I almost said your regular name. It'd be so boring if you just said our regular name. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, we're in a flashback episode and uh Flashback We're going to celebrate question mark the return Celebrate of, Good time. Come on. Uh the return of Dave Cockrum. The triumphant, <laughs> the triumphant return of Dave Cockrum. Are you waiting for me to make some kind of joke? <laughs> uncanny X-Men. Yeah, say that again, Dave Cockrum. Dave Cockrum. Oh, here he is. There he- There's this fan club. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're getting stronger. Oh, wow. Okay. Dave, Dave, take a bow. Okay, sit down. You're being obnoxious. <laughs> No, really. Come on, Cockrum. Thanks. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to cover Uncanny X-Men 145 through 150. That's six issues. Six issues. It is. And that will also end our, um, oh, what is it, our seventh year? It's going to be Wolverine's seventh birthday on issue 150, I think. Uh, 81, right? 81. Yeah, he was 74. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, seven years. Cool. So we will also mark a Wolverine's seventh Our anniversary. Baby's seventh growing birthday. up. Oh, yeah. Our thick, hairy babies growing up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's get to the comic, shall we? Let's do it. Right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> We're going to start off with Uncanny X-Men number 145, Dave Cockrum's first issue back. It'll be written by Chris Claremont. Cockrum will be inked by Joe Rubenstein. Letters by Joe Rosen. Colors by Glennis Ween. On mine, Uh mine it says that Dave Cockrum and Joe Rubenstein... Yes, are the artists, but Cochran did the pencils and Rubenstein did the inks. Oh, they just didn't want to specify Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do that. I don't think Rubenstein drew anything, according to my extensive Wikipedia research. (laughs) It's just interesting that they, because they usually spell it out, so I thought maybe that meant, maybe they did different parts or whatever, but the art's pretty consistent, so. Yeah, it's definitely Cochran. Yeah. It's all all Cochran-y all over the place. Yeah, it is. All right, so on our cover, we have Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom. Giving a toast with this pimp juice. The fantastic golden chalice. Yes. And he's holding Storm in a slightly rapey way. <laughs> About to cop a feel a little bit. A little bit. And the X-Men are all defeated. He's kind of standing on, hovering over Colossus. Can't tell if his foot's actually resting on him or not. <laughs> Looks like um, it is. Oh, the cover is by Dave Cockrum, by the way. I will say my favorite part of the cover is Angel's broken wing. Yeah, that's it's a really, weird it's thing for me looking. to pick out, but it's my favorite part. Uh, what do you think of this cover? I like it. Do I'm you? not a huge Doom fan. 
but I I don't know that I kind yeah. of like the look of Doom. Right. And so, so I think it's a cool looking just layout and like the 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 broken wing is interesting because it's just an it's an it's just a different detail. Like it's just something they don't usually do. Right. Like this is something really specific that they yeah. decided to make his wings broken, which I think is is pretty cool. Yeah. I will say looking at Wolverine's face and his sight line, whatever is underneath Doctor Doom's skirt must be horrifying. <laughs> It does look like he's getting a pretty, a pretty big <laughs> eyeful. Yeah. Hey, of so- the Doom shorts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doom junk. <laughs> All right. So last time we left off the X Men, um, basically days of Two Future Past. Two terrible comics in a row. Yeah. Yeah. We had the horrible issue with the uh, well, not the ridiculous I, Christmas special. Yeah. And then the despair, which was a despair to read. Yeah. <laughs> so two stinkers in a row. Yeah. So let's see if we can uh, continue that trend or turn it around. All right, so basically Storm and Stevie Wonder, I mean Hunter, go to the opera, and they're poisoned by Miss Locke, who reveals that Dr. Doom has kidnapped Arcade. So she, in turn, has kidnapped all the ex-family and ex-friends to persuade or blackmail the X-Men to go rescue Arcade. Professor X calls all the X-Men he can and gets info on Dr. Doom from Beast, who uh, goes into his Avenger files. Havoc and Polaris come. Iceman comes. Banshee comes. Professor X cannot reach Cyclops because he's shipwrecked on an island with Lee Forrester. He lost his glasses, so he makes a blindfold out of his shirt. Dr. Doom is holed up at Toad World, which I guess the X-Men know he's there because it used to be Dr. Doom's castle. The X-Men is split up. Half the team will go to the castle, and half the team will go to Murder World to try to free the hostages. So they're covering all their bases. All right, so at the castle, Storm distracts Doom with dinner, while her team of Angel, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Colossus try to sneak in to free Arcade. They fight some Doom bots. Doom watches it on a monitor. It's a trap! Arcade isn't a prisoner, but actually Doom's guest. Doom turns Storm into a statue and subdues the X-Men himself since you can't trust robots to do anything. <laughs> Good summary. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so, uh, we start off with our floating heads. thought that was interesting. Letting us know who everyone is. Oh, yeah, yeah, the name Before banners. Yeah. So, Cockrum, uh, he's going to give Banshee a little bit more distinct nose through these yeah. issues. That's supposed to be like an Irish thing, or I don't know, it, like like a leprechaun. Is that like a leprechaun nose? I don't know that it looks. I mean, it doesn't look particularly Irish to me. Yeah, I couldn't tell. But I mean, it doesn't. It kind of looks a like nose. a Jughead from Archie. Yeah, a little bit. So I it makes him look more copish, though. Yeah, an old cop. Right. Which is what he is. So there you go. I like how Storm's dress is basically her cape. Yeah. When she goes to the opera? I think the the little storm in the opera box is a, kind of a funny thing. Yeah. The, the girl taps storm on the shoulder, so then she creates this storm. But then they have the rich, fancy couple next door go, ooh, it's cold in here. <laughs> Why do they have the air funny. conditioner in the winter, not in the summer? <laughs> so uh, I liked that there was that Amanda Sefton has a stuffed nightcrawler. I think that is kind of creepy (laughs) (laughs) 
Who gives their girlfriend a stuffed animal doll of themselves? Um, I'm going to assume Bradley Cooper. Well, yes. But I'm... Yeah, people I, who are just I egos. I don't know that. You need to give me a doll. I would assume people who are day. just egos do that. Right. But your average person... I thought that was really funny. So, or maybe they saw it at a store and it was a joke. But why is there even a Nightcrawler doll? It's not like I they're... I don't know. They're not Avengers. I want one. Where they would have like action figures maybe. Yeah. No, it doesn't always make sense. So that... It's like I'm he made going that. to assume someone at the mansion made it. You're going to assume that Nightcrawler made it because he's creepy. Yeah. Or his girlfriend made it because she's creepy. Well, she is a magic uh, gypsy woman. Oh, maybe so. it's a voodoo doll. Yeah, maybe it is a voodoo doll. screws her over. She's got the voodoo <laughs> doll. She can take her take her uh, vengeance out on him. Yes. Casey sticks that tail somewhere else. <laughs> so I like how they make a big deal about this storm and the plane. Yeah. But then they just completely abandon it. Like, we don't see any consequences. Yeah. There's a plane crash, and they make it out alive. It's like they just wanted us to know that more people than Storm are affected by this storm. Right, right. A little sidebar that goes nowhere. And you have a, a creepy snow globe. Yeah, where Jean, so Jean's a psychic tele-whatever globe. She's all smiling. Because apparently, I mean, there's an arcade letter there. So apparently Arcade's goons came and kidnapped Jean's family. And left a snow globe of her. Oh, no, that's the snow globe that uh, Lilandra gave the Oh, yeah, yeah, she's parents, got the snow the globe. Funeral. But she's still smiling. In one and then not in the other. Yeah, she's but mad you think she would be mad like when her parents got kidnapped, not when Storm came to help. Maybe. I think Jean's spirit hates her family. Maybe, or maybe she's just happy to see Storm because she knows Storm's oh, okay. going to get her back. Right, but then she frowns when she leaves. Because she misses her friend Storm. Yeah, because she didn't even say hi. She yeah. had a lengthy thought bubble and did not once <laughs> say hi. How could she? So we get a weird reference on page 10 that uh, has been three years since Giant Size number one. I like how Colossus is super yawning, but he looks like he's doing that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's got like wavy lines by his hands. Because briefings are so boring. <laughs> All right, so Logan's not happy. He does not like the X-Men's plan, and he's letting Professor X know about it. He wants to no negotiation with terrorists yep. or kidnappers. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even though it may lead to the death of all those people. Hey, right. price we got to pay so they don't try to do it again. We'll show them. That's right. He by, says, by letting everybody die. says, we make certain no one ever tries to get at the X-Men this way again by making the price of doing it too high to pay. Too high to pay. In other words, a high body count. Yes. Which I would have kind of enjoyed, but we don't we don't go over it this way. No. We don't get that. Uh, I do like how after Professor X contacts uh, Alex and Lorna, they talk about how there's time to kill. Yeah, that's a, a funny, like, you think they were going sexy time with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually wrote sexy time in my yeah. notes. Because I read that and I thought, are they... I was just wondering if that was a deliberate... Are they trying to push the boundaries of X-Men sexuality? Yeah. I assume so. It's 1982 already. Or 1981. Yeah, Yeah, I thought that was really funny too. So they're about to go... Awfully random. The Summers brothers love to uh, get it on in the desert. I guess so. Well, it's also funny because it's like... Professor X wasn't there before. They were just hanging out before. They were fixing the windmill. Now it's like, oh, now we have somewhere to go. So let's... Right. We don't have to go right away. Yeah. Funny, funny. 
And then yeah. the Iceman is that's the funniest oh to me. Goodness. Freshman Iceman. Iceman is so cool. He's just literally cool with that. His grown Get out it? beard. Oh wait, wait, well well let's count the ways. Okay. He doesn't shave. There's a bra just hanging around the room. There's a poster of a stone cold naked chick in the background. Yes. Like not a bikini poster. Like that chick is full frontal. Like uh, they don't show it. Yeah. And there's no clothes on that girl. And then on the other wall, a poster of the Ayatollah Khomeini. And the what? The Ayatollah Khomeini. Is that the 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 from Iran? Oh, I thought that was just the thing from Big. That told the fortune. No, no, that's the, that's the Ayatollah because in 1981, the, uh, the hostages contract? just no, the hostages just came home oh, okay. from the Iranian hostage that's crisis. That's why so darts at it. Yeah, so who's also, yeah, clearly, okay. you know, go America. He also has Kiss and Star Wars. I don't know books or comics on the floor. Yeah, um, and he's got a beer, even yeah, though he's, he's clearly underage. Obviously, but he's, he's a freshman he's in college. Beer. Yeah, well, but he, maybe he went late. He was an X Man for a while. That's true. I guess we yeah. don't know exactly how old they are. Yeah. But it's funny because when he left the X-Men last, one of the things he was outraged over was Wolverine's beer. That's true. My, how the tables have turned. Exactly. Get to college, start drinking. Yeah. Just a warning to all you parents out there. If you set your kids to go to college, they're probably going to start drinking. That's right. And put naked pictures on their wall. That's true. And hang bras out of their drawers. Yep. I think that's a sock. Uh, that's sock, yeah. The bra's on the, the plaque behind the lamp. Did you not see that? No, I didn't. That's <laughs> funny. Oh, brother. So we know, we get a, a foreshadowing of Magneto. He's coming. Foreshadowing of Magneto? <laughs> yeah. Professor X talks about the magnetic fields being weird. I totally and... did not catch that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I totally didn't even catch that. So when he does show up, I was like, what? Right. Because I completely missed the hint. That's funny. I didn't think it was very Claremontian to completely skip and not show us any of the shipwreck. Yeah. When last we saw Cyclops and Lee Forrester were going back to the boat Yeah. after her dad died, and suddenly they're washed up on an island. And somewhere Lee got a haircut when she fell overboard. Yeah. Well, the shark probably bit her hair off. Yeah. And Cyclops <laughs> tears his shirt off, which is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. So he can make his headband. Hulk style. Yeah, it makes Hulk a little... style. Little uh, blindfold. They're still working on the danger room. <laughs> yeah, still working on the danger room. Kitty's sick or still uh, hurt, I guess. Yeah, I think no, I think she just has a cold. Okay, I couldn't tell what if she was sick or if she was supposed to still be hurting. No, I, I think she just says get better. Oh, I don't know. I think it says something really say. earlier about like the flu or a cold or something. Oh, does no, it? Because the, the paragraph before, he says how she, basically, she defeated the monster and they're still picking up the pieces. Yeah, but she's been running around, though, helping them fix the danger room and stuff in previous issues. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I just thought she was still hurt, but yeah, it makes sense. So we see that uh, Wolverine and Nightcrawler fixed the Blackbird, so we get some more Wolverine's handy with stuff. Handy work. And he did it with Nightcrawler, so more of their kind of friendship. There you go. So we go to the castle. I really like this uh, this plan with Angel and Nightcrawler. It looks pretty cool. I like how Wolverine says, We ain't the FF, bub. We're the X-Men. I kind of gave myself a high five when I read that. I know. I like that because I wrote, I wrote down in my notes, X-Men are better than Fantastic Four. Yes. <laughs> I wrote that down. I agree. We get a snicked. And Wolverine gets his clothes fried off. <laughs> Doom has a table TV, which why we don't have this already and now present day, I don't know. Yeah. 
We should have the we should have TV monitors under our table. I agree. Although now you could just set your iPad on the table. So true. There's really no need for all that hardware. But Storm's impressed. She's kind of she's kind of falling for Doom a little bit. Yeah, there is definitely some interesting flirting between Storm and Doom, even after everything yeah. happens. Doom is still hitting on Storm pretty yeah. hard. And she's <laughs> like, you know, maybe he's not evil. He's just misunderstood. <laughs> the bad boy. She's gonna change him. Yeah. So wait a second. Is Wolverine naked? Yeah, his clothes are gone. Like completely, right? He's been getting an Austin Powers thing on page 21. I'm sorry, page 27, where Angel's wing blocks off his naked ass. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he's completely naked. So he's or been fighting Eastern mostly. Promises style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Butt naked. These robots don't care, though. Um, the Doom bots, I mean. Which no, is... they, he runs away. I said, I'd run too if a naked hairy guy attacked me with claws. <laughs> that's true. Oh, yeah, because that's the guy that Doom then punishes. Although it's a robot. Can you punish a robot? Are there guys inside? I don't know. They're called Doombots, so I assumed not, but I guess I could be wrong. I have no idea. They never really tell you. Right. Maybe if we read Fantastic Four more, we would know. I'm not going to do it. But not not <laughs> worth it. Not worth it. Sorry, Fantastic Four lovers. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of them out there. The whole thing with Arcade is interesting because it's kind of like it's not completely true that he was in pr- prisoner by doom that they're partners but then he's also kind of prisoner of doom not prisoner but doom is still I, kind yeah, of I can't holding really him. tell what's going it's on it's not there. really clear and even even in, you know through the arc by the end of this it's not going to be really clear right if he was if he was captured by doom and then they just decided to work together weird i don't know so i did read in the i don't know if you did read it in the letters uh no there's a, there's not a letter, but Chris Claremont gives a little blurb, and so there's there were these things called the Eagle Awards, which Eagle I Award. guess were were the comic awards of the yeah. day. Um, so X Men won some awards, but also the 1980 Eagle for favorite character went to Wolverine. Interesting. So That's we're important. definitely at like pushing he, into the yeah peaks. his his, his yeah. popularity is pretty high at this point. All right, so what did you think? I thought the art and the story were good, not great. Yeah, I'm with you. And I kind of rated them both the same. So Cockrum's magnificent return is um, all right. Yeah. You know, but this is the first time, at least in X-Men, that he's being inked by Joe Rubenstein. So we'll see how that team plays out. So what are we going to rate on Kenny X-Men 145? Um, I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I also gave it four out of six claws. Yeah, I kind of so. struggle with three and four. Yeah. Because I don't care much for Doom, and I don't care much for Arcade. No, all right, so, and we'll, we'll speak to this maybe a little bit next issue, too. I thought at least for Doom, he wasn't quite as megalomaniac-y yeah. as this, he usually is in Fantastic this is about as This is about as good as you get with yeah. Doom. I, I mean, agree. as far I think as Claremont did a decent job yeah. with him, because the the Doom character to me has always been an interesting character, like theoretically, but it never right. works out. Like the stories that he's in, he's always too crazy guy. Right. I always kind of wanted him to be more Destro. I was just about to, about say, to say Destro is a, just a, a cooler, less magical version of yeah, me. yeah, exactly. It, it's like because Destro is always. I don't know. There's something like really real about Destro. Yeah, and it's and, like but he, he still was, had like the ego, and he was yeah. still prone to monologue occasionally. Definitely. But, 
yeah, definitely yeah, saw him. Yeah, but but yeah, Doom always takes it too far to the crazy ego or to the yeah megalomaniac's best word for that. Uh, just yeah, yeah, just too much. So this is interesting, and I also like that Doom is. He's an interesting character. One thing that is interesting about Doom, at least well, what they do. We didn't mention it. he was. He's currently deposed. I yes, he's been deposed that. from yeah. Latveria. That's why he's hanging out in a fake castle in New York. Right. Yeah. Upstate New York. Upstate New York. But what's interesting about Doom, at least in this story, and I, I, I haven't read enough Fantastic Four to know how he plays out most of the time, right. but that he kind of actually walks this weird line of being a really bad guy, but not exactly. Right. Because it's like the, his dealing with Storm, and it's just, it's like he's he's a bad guy, but not... He's classy. He's classy, yeah. <laughs> he's not like, yeah, he's not just trying to murder a bunch of people, or... It's like he wants power. Right. But not in like a crazy guy no, way. No, just in a everybody <laughs> wants to rule the world kind of way. Yeah. Let's, let's end on that. That's perfect. Okay. <laughs> Good night, New York. Ah. And we're back. Zoo morning crew. <laughs> wah, wah. Just kidding. Just kidding. We are back, though. Yes. So, X-Men 146. 146. Let's do it. Murder World. Murder World. X-Men versus Murder World. Tagline, yeah. guess who wins? Guess who wins? I'm going to guess the X-Men. Guess who's coming to dinner? Uh-oh. Storm. Storm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Not, uh... Lawrence Olivier? Is that Lawrence Olivier? <laughs> I'm trying to think of his name. I can't think of it. Oh, gosh. Why Bill can't Cosby? I no. <laughs> oh, why can't I remember his name? That's really upsetting me. Oh. Apollo Creed. No. Oh. I wish it was Carl Weathers. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Oh, man. So, Chris Claremont, writer. Dave yes. Cockrum and Joseph Rubenstein, artists. Tom Wozniczowski, letterer, Glennis Wine, colorist. Cover is by Cochran. And Rubenstein. Um, I do not like the cover very much. I kind of hate the cover. I actually think Arcade's head... All right, so basically it's Arcade's head. Giant orange background with Arcade's head. Yeah. And we have like a spy TV show intro. Yeah. Collage of the X-Men. We have Banshee pointing his spy gun. Havoc in a white costume shooting his powers. Polaris in whatever the hell she's wearing with her vagina trap. And then, <laughs> it's like a Batman. On. Yeah, and then Iceman. And the X-Men look horrible. They look terrible. Iceman particularly, I don't know what's going on with his arms. It's he like looks his like Max got Hedren. frozen. Yeah, he looks like Max Hedron in that. They're just they're very, very stiff. It's not good. Yeah. And Banshee looks like a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Yes, that part's actually okay. With the gun and the uniform. It's not terrible. It's just like, why does he look like a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent? Yeah. Except with like very elaborate and, and cuffs. Why does Havoc arm, arm have cuffs? such giant eye holes? Like, why even have know. that little strap that goes under over his nose? Uh, who knows? As why does he have the strap over is. his head? Yeah, I don't know. Havoc's was... costume is ridiculous. So is Lorna's. What's the point with the, like, there's no cape, yet she has like a giant collar. Like a yeah. giant Doctor Doom collar. But no, and this is a straight-up Cockrum design. Anyway. Yeah, not good. Pretty horrible. So, not a good cover. No. Nope. Sorry, Cockrum. No, we're, in fact, we're, we're starting a string of really bad covers. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. 
All right, so in this case, we find out very quickly that Dr. Doom and Arcade are partners. Well, I guess we already found that out in the last yeah. one, but they reiterate that some more. Dr. Doom is basically imprisoned each X-Man in a specific kind of cage to test them slash study them. He has a robot storm that's a little too close to a sex droid, if you ask me. <laughs> sex bot. Wolverine gets a free suit, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> Because he was naked, yeah, right? Yeah. But instead of just giving him a robe or something, Doom no. gives him a perfect Full replica costume. of his yeah. costume, ready to go and everything. And his new one. Yeah, the new one. It's perfect. I mean, Doom's a rich guy, so I guess whatever, yeah. but still. So, so I'm he, assuming then he wa- he runs around dressed as Wolverine from time to time. You got to assume that. You got to assume every bad, every villain in the Marvel Universe wears a Wolverine costume every <laughs> now and then. So we look at each of the little... Each of the traps, Wolverine, Angel, sorry, I forgot his name, Angel, <laughs> that we find out that it is a droid and that um, there is a statue of Storm that is apparently, and we'll find out for sure later, or actually I guess we find out here, is creating a giant storm on the outside of the castle, her subconscious. She's trapped, and of course we all know she's claustrophobic. Right. So trapped in this statue it's somehow slowing her brain down so that she doesn't age, but her subconscious is creating this giant storm. Meanwhile, we have Cyclops and Lee living out their own version of that that one movie from the 70s that I can't think of. What was the movie with... Gilligan's um, Island? No. No, the movie with the two teenagers. Oh, um, Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon, yeah. <laughs> Basically living out their own version of Blue Lagoon. I on watched this that island. whole movie looking for boobs. Yeah. <laughs> So did every boy in the eighties. Yes. Um. I and I. There's a storm on their island too, which led me to believe <laughs> so that it's away. the same island, but it's not. So for same a moment, island is what as Doctor Doom. No, no, no. It's the island they were. They're in the Bermuda Triangle. Right. Okay. Right. But because it's all there's a storm there too. For a moment, I thought, oh, it's going to turn out that they're actually on the same island. Uh, as the Doom Castle, but no, it's unrelated. No, weather patterns There's the world just, over are being Turns out up. more than one storm can happen on the planet at a time. Go figure. <laughs> Bill Nye the science guy. <laughs> so we have a weird map that Lorna draws with her brain <laughs> to find the source of the power. They end up in Murder World, very quickly ending up right, in so a who's on that team? complete replay. So we got Lorna. I was going to go through each of their oh, okay, trials. I'm sorry. But All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, they end up with the yeah repeat in Murder World quickly. We find all the hostages wrapped up in bows, like Again, they're in Christmas yeah. presents, which is classy as always. And then we end up with each each of those guys in their own little Murder World. So Havoc is fighting a Star Wars ripoff with the yeah. little fake Tie Fighters, which I thought was pretty funny. Iceman is fighting a hockey team for some reason. <laughs> of course. Lorna is fighting a Carousel of Death. Where yes. horses try to eat her, and there's a really creepy little Red Riding Hood that yeah. tries to get her. Well, that's uh, Ileana. Oh, yeah, that's Ileana. But either way, creepy. She's got a hood on, so Red Riding is right. what I thought. And then Banshee, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., is in an <laughs> old Western movie where he's fighting a skeleton outlaw. It's animatronics. Animatronics. Like a crash test dummy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Anyway, that plays out. It's fairly uninterestingly. A lot of action. They kind of go back and forth between each one. Eventually, they all get together and win that battle. Then we get to fast-forwarding here. 
Nightcrawler, we go back to the castle. So they defeat, just to throw this out there, they defeat um, their their respective, the, the guys who are in Murder World, defeat their respective murder scenarios. Right. And then very easily defeat the, what was her name? Miss Locke. Miss Locke. Havoc in a really funny pose. <laughs> Yeah. It reminds me of a Bugs Bunny cartoon where he shows up and he's like, what's up, Doc? <laughs> and then they blow up her gun and very, in like two panels, the whole thing's resolved. Which I actually, I was reading this one fairly quickly and I just missed it. I had to go back <laughs> later. I had to go back later and I was like, was that really the end of that? And I, re- I reread it and I was like, okay, there you go. Yeah, they, they rescued everybody. But it's like, it was so quick. I thought that I figured there would be more, more wrap up to that, but there wasn't. Anyway, back to Doom's castle. Doom's got uh, Cuban cigars, so he's a bad guy because he's run the blockade somehow. And then Nightcrawler escapes from his yeah. little box. His, they were weren't they figured he was stuck there because he can't teleport blind. That's but, right. But he teleports anyway. So yeah, so Nightcrawler disappears and Arcade thinks it's really funny. <laughs> he laughs. And that's the end of that one. Yeah. All right, so I thought Colossus's test was kind of cool. Now I would I would like to go to Wolverine's little scenario and see if it actually is really that disorienting. Yeah, because it's know. just like a checkerboard. Yeah, and I know it's bending and stuff, but would you really like lose your mind? I don't know. I don't think so, but I just I just don't know. I would think like I wonder if it's disorienting or like just kind of trippy. If there was like no edges, like if you were in like a circle ball. Yeah. And it was kind of moving and warping looking. Yeah, okay. I could see right. losing it. But but here you can see the squares of the room and stuff. Or I guess you can't really. I don't know. It's hard to say. Angels is kind of silly, I think. With little lasers everywhere. So Arcade, when he first sees the uh, Storm sex spot, I like how he kind of spells out like the X-Men Big Three. He talks about how the three most powerful are, are Cyclops, Storm, and Wolverine. Yeah. No, that was kind of cool. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting, interesting statement to put that out there. I'm a little curious, though, because the statue storm is not wearing the same clothes as the statue storm at the end of the last issue. Yeah, she was statue her- storm comes out in some crazy sexy clothes in the next yeah. issue. And I don't know where those got on her. Yeah. I mean, well, she, she, she wasn't wearing those at the dinner. No, she was turned into a statue and pretty much in her costume. Yeah. And then so did Doom unturn her and change her and turn her back? Or can he magically change clothes on a statue? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. It's really weird. I, I also thought that was strange. Very nitpicky, but just kind but, of yeah, weird. gave me a nosebleed. Yeah. I gotta say, though, I really, really, really like this idea of what Storm's doing. Like yeah, the subconscious, the subconscious. Story, I thought I that like was that really cool. It pays off big in the next issue. Yes, but yeah. in this one, it's 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 cool. I also thought uh, going back to the island that the optic blast over the surface of the water looked really cool. That did look pretty cool. I thought it was funny because uh, uh, they're talking about how uh, Cyclops owes Lee an explanation when she sees his optic blast, and she says. Yes, you do, but it can wait till the storm's over if we live that long. <laughs> By that, she means it can wait till next issue. Right. Because <laughs> we completely ditched them for the rest of the issue. Yeah. Yeah, they have three panels. Yeah, that's it. No, four panels. Five panels. Final offer. <laughs> um, I wrote Be Cool, Iceman, but I don't remember why. And there's a part, on, I wrote on page 12... 
It'd be cool, Iceman, because he used to have a... Cr- him and Alex fought over Lorna before. Oh, yeah. But I don't remember exactly what I was getting at. Oh, because I, I, Iceman says, What's the matter, Polaris? You got something against the cold? Me, I love it. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, is really weird, because all she said bitter. was that her suit was insulated. Yeah, no, he, he's <laughs> just being bitter. That's what I think I was meant. He was being bitter, Barn. Yeah, because he got, he got snubbed. Mm-hmm. So... When the X-Men Murder World team first gets there, they're greeted by a hologram of Miss Locke. Yeah. And I wrote, a hologram baby got back. Got <laughs> a little booty on her. Um, I have nothing else for a little while, so you got... I hit all the stuff. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of weird... The scenarios are all weird. The, like I said, the, the faux TIE Fighters or Bobo TIE Fighters <laughs> are kind of funny. And then the horse, the... Evil horse with the big vampire teeth. Yeah. Or monster teeth. I don't know. And the horse kicks her in the back. It was really funny. Yeah, it was weird. Or actually, it looks like the horse punches her in the back, is the way that's drawn. Yeah. All right. So there's been robots attacking the X Men in Murder World that are based, that are like robots of the prisoners. So that's why, like, Polaris thought that Ileana was Ileana, but it was right. an evil robot. And so when the prisoners are actually released, we get this thing where Polaris says, oh, no, I magna-scanned all of them. They're not robots. <laughs> Which I rolled my eyes so hard they almost fell out. Yeah. Um, but then it turns out that some of them are. They're robots, and they blow up, but they're all girls. So I said booby traps <laughs> with boobs. Nice. Yeah. You say Bugs Bunny. I say sultry havoc. Sultry havoc. <laughs> He is he like is putting that. on the moves in that pose. Yeah, he is. All right, and what else you got? I don't have anything else for this issue. I thought the art was a lot better than the last issue. That um, was not nearly as stiff. Outside of the cover, I would agree yes, with you. Yes, yeah, cover aside, but on the inside. Yeah. Although not much better. It's still, it's still not great to me. No, I mean... But it is better. We're still in a John Byrne hangover, but... True. But I thought, I thought it was a lot better than the, the previous issue. Okay. Well, thought the story was pretty decent. Yeah, not bad. I think I may have liked this one a little better than you. I thought the traps were pretty cool for the X-Men. More so in Doom's Castle than in... Doom's Castle's traps were pretty good. The The Murder World ones were the ones that were silly. Yeah. All right. What are you going to give Uncanny X-Men 146? Uh, I'm going to give this one a three. I'm going to stick with my four. So Cameron gives it three out of six claws. I give it four yeah, out of six claws. It's clause. kind of, both of them are kind of in the middle. I think this one a little less than the other one. Yeah, I actually like this one a little better than the last yeah. one. But I think, honestly, the, the big kicker for me on this one was the storm stuff. Even though we don't get into it a whole lot, just the idea of it was so appealing I to me. I think it's cool. And the ne- in the next section, I'll talk a lot more about it. Yeah. But yeah, that, that but that's sort of a small part. And the murder world stuff's... I just really don't like the murder world stuff. All right. Well, there you go. Let's move on. All right. Thanks for sticking through that commercial break. (laughs) We are the podcast that goes snicked, and we're going to talk about Uncanny X-Men number 147. If you're just joining us. Rogue Storm. Written by Chris Claremont, art by Dave Cockrum and Joseph Rubenstein. Glynis 
is the colorist. Oars is the letterer. Ooh, fancying it up. Yeah, and the cover is by Cochran and Rubenstein. And we have a box that says, We did it before. Dare we do it again? Rogue Storm. A little bit misleading. Yeah. Because um, the did it before they're referring to is not Storm. Right. Spoiler. Spoiler. Um, all right, so on this cover, we have a giant storm in barely clothes. Um, Yet still, it's terrible. Yeah. Even the almost nudity can't, and the shadow boob. Well, it's can't yeah, save it's not. Cover. It's not drawn in a sexy way. It's drawn no, in a monstery way. It's gross looking. Yeah. And the X Men look horrible. Yeah, it's a bad cover. No, Nightcrawler, interestingly, is uh, balancing on the barcode box. <laughs> yeah, he's standing on the barcode. And there's a crate there. Doom looks particularly horrible. Yeah, it's very poorly drawn. I don't know what he's, he's doing. He's too robot looking. Yes. Right like, like, and two, like, powered down robot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like someone turned him off. Yeah. Someone took out his batteries. Yeah, so That's I'm how not... you defeat Dr. Doom. <laughs> yeah. There's an off button under yeah. that under that uh, skirt. That's what Wolverine was looking at. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, boy, I can reach that. He's like, I'm not flipping that switch. Yeah. I gave this cover a meh. I'll give it a... Very nice. We should start rating the covers with sound effects. <laughs> sound effects our, only. There our new go. thing. I can get behind that. All, <laughs> All right. right. We'll try to remember that going forward. So basically, uh, if you don't remember where we are, listen to the first two segments and Nightcrawler. <laughs> for, tele- for that one weird person who fast forwards halfway through a podcast <laughs> yes. and then starts listening. Who reads the show notes and says, you know what? I only want to hear 147. <laughs> it says it starts at blah, blah, blah. I'll start there. Or maybe he turned it on. Had to go to the bathroom. Yes. Came back and doesn't know how to rewind it. to take his iPod to take a dump. Exactly. Yeah. But he doesn't know how to rewind a podcast. It is tricky. It's, yeah. I mean, because if you press it too lightly, then it skips. Yeah, or if goes you hold to it a down different too episode. Long, yeah. You know, it's tough. It's, you got to figure that stuff yeah. out. Delicate. All right. Well, anyway, Nightcrawler <laughs> teleports two miles straight up to yes. escape his uh, picture cube. In a fantastic panel. Yes, very fantastic In panel. In spite of the horrible cover, no, the first the, panel is fantastic. Possibly one of the best Nightcrawler ones yet. Not ever, but yet. I would say definitely one of the best Cockroom Nightcrawlers. I yeah. give it, I give it that much. But anyway, he, he teleports up thinking, I can't see where I'm going. I gotta teleport blind. So if I just go straight up in the air, approximately two miles, I should be good. But he teleports right in the middle of a giant storm. Um, somehow he glides down through the storm. Yeah. And uh, all the while giving us a recap. I felt like it gave us some some new, more rules about how he can and can't use his teleporting. Because I thought some of this stuff I didn't think was quite established yet. Or at least not quite so hashed out. Well, let's, let's take a time out and why don't you tell me because I don't know if I caught that. Well, no, just talking about how he talks about the vertical port is the most difficult and dangerous. Oh, I don't, I don't yeah, think he talked yeah, about that's that before. True. Yeah, that's new. Just the idea that if you go straight up for some reason, that's a lot harder. Well, and that he can, his, the length he can teleport is based on how strong he is. Yeah. And I don't quite understand how that works, but that's kind of, he says that about how, depending on how strong he is, which I guess means if he gets stronger, he can port farther. Yeah. Or if he's, if he's tired, he can just go yeah. across the kitchen. I guess so. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. The, the whole thing about the up and down and then the velocity stuff and all these tricks he does to slow himself down. Because I believe, and I could be wrong, I believe there was a part issues back 
where he said how he couldn't teleport into midair because the velocity of him traveling, or they were falling out of a plane or something. Yeah, Do you remember he didn't what I'm want to teleport about? because the velocity would continue when he landed. He right. Went, but he Whereas teleported here, out of a still, like he was standing still. Right, but now he's falling because of the weather. Right. Anyway, the point is that it's like he, now he's he's learned some tricks. Yeah. So that now, even though he's falling really fast, he can do these different things to make himself slow down a little bit and then ultimately right. port. Okay. Anyway. Basically, Nightcrawler sneaks back into the castle to rescue the X-Men. Uh, so, all right, so the test that we kind of hinted at last time that Colossus is in, he's on a rock in water. And the rock is getting shot by lasers and falling apart. Right. And anything that falls down can get shot. But he determines this based on mass. Yeah. Whether the laser like will shoot it. He tricks the laser by shrinking a few inches when he unarmors and the laser doesn't shoot him. Well, he throws a giant rock that was like his mass. Yeah, and it got shot. And, and that one gets shot. He threw one that was smaller and right. it didn't get he shot. He reduces his mass by taking yeah. his armor off. I mean, not taking it off, but dr take it off hello so angel flies a maze wolverine finds a wall in his dizzy room and slices and dices his way through the wall and so the x-men thus escape all of doom's traps after wolverine has a crazy flashback we come back to that yes wolverine kills android storm because she has no smell he takes out doom and spares him in exchange for freezing storm but rogue storm is crazy and giving in to dark elements colossus compares her to phoenix she defeats her demons and calms the storm both figuratively and literally she convinces doom to give them arcade and the x-men part ways meanwhile scott and lee find a strange city <laughs> the end so, all right, so is grayed out, is that a real term? Grayed out? No, Nightcrawler says that he grayed out for a minute, like the color gray. Like instead of blacking uh, out, he grayed out? I've never heard of that. Okay. Yeah, gray. I didn't, I didn't even quite know what he meant when he first said that. I, get, I mean, maybe like to half lose conscious is what he's talking about. Yeah, but, uh, oh, that's yeah, what I'm guessing. But I, I don't know. I didn't if, know if yeah, that I've was never like heard a real term. Okay. So context clues, we know what he's talking about, but I don't. I've never heard that before. I didn't like the way Nightcrawler talks about how if he chatters his teeth, his fangs will cut through his whip. That was kind of silly. Because dogs chatter their teeth pretty often and manage to not cut themselves up. (laughs) Well, their teeth aren't as sharp as Nightcrawler's. I guess not. It was like a silly drama to add to it. Like, oh, I can't chatter my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) That's silly. So is Arcade's bow tie growing? (laughs) It does feel like it. It does feel like it's getting bigger. I like to think that it symbolizes something. Oh, I got Doom's reading a book. And he's got a, a, a old school bookmark with yeah, a D on it. Yeah, I like that too. And um, a nice ribbon, fancy ribbon bookmark. So on page 10, it looks like Nightcrawler has giant shoulders all of a sudden. Yeah, and Because the way they draw the shadow, longer. it looks like his arms connect to his points. Well, it's, it's 1981, so he's got shoulder pads. <laughs> Well, I know, but his points go like past his arm. So his arm yeah, really way out. is like out he- over there. But yeah. the shadow makes it look like that's all his it arm. It looks like he's ma- really massive. Yeah, it looks like Flat Stanley. Yeah, <laughs> Flat Stanley. And also on page 10, uh, I said Claremont really likes quote-unquote peak condition. Yeah. He's been throwing that word around a lot lately. And I've been reading some of his old uh, Spider-Woman from the last flashback, yeah, I did the little, the little extras, and then, like every issue, she talks about I just got to get back to peak condition. <laughs> 
So that that's Claremont's uh, word of that's the funny. of the year. I didn't apparently, read, I didn't read those extras. So I like how uh, Colossus holds his nose when he jumps in the water, like he just learned to swim. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So your flashback. Let's get to flashback, the Wolverine flashback. flashback. A flashback within the flashback episode. There you go. That's too bad. Wolverine for me in a nice suit, a little military dress yeah, suit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we basically get a flashback where he all remember he was rescued by the Hudsons and they give him a job. Right. And for some reason in this scene, he's, he's arguing with them over something. Yeah. And he's got a super he, widow's peak. Yeah. And no sideburns. What's that about? And they're short sideburns. Yeah. Just a little short sideburns. Yeah. But. Clean cut Wolverine. I don't like clean cut Wolverine. Not either. <laughs> he looks like Eddie Munster. Yeah, he does. But anyway, the gist of this is that he almost kills his only friends. Yeah. And talks about, you know, the berserker, and he doesn't know if he can ever quit being a psycho. <laughs> Once a psycho, always a psycho. Yeah, pretty much. But he's not an animal. He's been having the berserkers less lately. I am not an animal. But, or sorry, back... Back then, he was learning to have the Berserkers less, but lately, yeah. he feels like he's losing control, and he's scared of, of going into a Berserker that he can never come back from. He starts to think that he's a danger to the X-Men. Yes. But he's never been one to play it safe, so he, he gets a snicked. He rips a hole in the wall of this checkerboard. Yep. And Doom says, who dares? Wolverine! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we get a really cool panel. It'll probably be my uh, my Twitter um, emblem Image. badge, whatever. Avatar. Avatar, when this issue goes up. And it's Wolverine in the Shadow. I just think it looks really cool. It's on page yeah, 18. Really cool. yeah. uh, his forearm's a little long, but I can forgive yeah, that. Yeah, but, but it's a good... Regardless, I think it's a pretty sweet panel. With the smoke coming off of him, it's pretty yeah. awesome. So I like him and Nightcrawler taking out Doom. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I liked that too, the combo together. And, uh, and Wolverine's, although Wolverine holding him with the blade in his face, I didn't quite understand. I don't quite. I don't know why I said that like that. <laughs> I didn't understand. I don't understand why Doom couldn't use the little shocker thing on Wolverine to paralyze him or whatever. Oh, like all the stuff he does before, it's like suddenly he doesn't have any of the powers he had earlier. Well, he has been really using. Oh yeah, he has. Never mind. Well, look at the beginning, like when he yeah. got Colossus, as he put his hand on Colossus, and right? Froze, you know, paralyzed him or whatever. So I was like, why doesn't he, why isn't he able to do that now? I don't know. So anyway, I'm gonna make a lot of people mad for a minute here. Uh oh. Right. So Colossus compares Storm to Phoenix. Yes, he does. Now this story is a much lesser story than the Dark Phoenix saga. Yes. Okay. Dark Phoenix Saga is a much better story. But in some weird... And much weird, bigger and much more important. Yes. But in some weird way, to me, what Storm is going through here seemed to resonate more emotionally with me Yeah. than the cosmic stuff with Phoenix. I agree. Like the claustrophobia stuck in the statue, using her nature power. And maybe it's because there's no like outside power. Like This is all from Storm. Yeah. And it literally is her just wrestling with herself. Not wrestling with some cosmic entity. Right. But it's all... And it's not a, like a, a deity that's taking yeah, her over. Right. Yeah. And it's finite to a degree. And, and it's it, a mix with... It's a little bit of Wolverine Berserker. Like It's kind of yeah. a blend of those things. Right. Yeah. I don't know. And just in this weird kind of Doom arcade story, yeah, we just have this really powerful storm story that... It was not as maybe as interesting as Dark Phoenix, but just, I don't know, it, just, it hit me on a on a deeper level emotionally. No, I, I'm I'm all on board That's with you. It's probably not a very popular opinion, but... Maybe not, but I, 
I, f- I mean, I feel the same way. I, I thought I thought this was absolutely badass. Yes. Just, yeah, I loved it quite a bit. I thought it was so fan. I mean, in spite of the Princess Leia clothes, which were kind of <laughs> silly, but I just the whole idea of her coming out of that in such a berserker raid with so much power and just amassing all of this elemental power right. that no one could really stop. And I I thought that was I was awesome. I was I was really exciting. And yeah, like you said, it, because in earlier when they list the most powerful X-Men and she's in that list. And right. I thought it's interesting that then we immediately get us to where they're really showing. Yeah. She's a lot more powerful than even the people have really realized. Right. Because it's like, she has all this power that she can control, even if she hasn't learned to quite yet. And they have to stop her. I'm not crazy about the way it's drawn. No, the art, the I, art is pretty mediocre. You know what I, I kept thinking in this issue? I wish John Byrne was drawing this. Yeah. It would have been a lot better. <laughs> But yeah, the story, this part of the story I thought was really fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, Claremont makes a lot of Holocaust references. Man, I'm you starting, know. They're starting to really add up. I, I think the first couple of times, it, I, I just kind of read it and skipped over it. Where, where is somewhere that? Because on, I wrote it down. Uh, on page 27, there's a line. This isn't the first one. This is like the one that really made me like go, wait a second. Um, there it is. Yeah, the effort is as tremendous as the Holocaust itself. Right. That is weird. Yeah, I don't... That's a weird thing to say. Because for one, it doesn't make sense. Well, no. I mean, well, the storm is, I guess... What does the word actually mean? Like, I know what the Holocaust is, but like, what would be a literal translation? Death by fire. Okay. Or destruction by fire, something like that. But fire is what it means. Okay. But I I don't get what the... How does the effort relate? Well, she's saying that her effort has to match the quote-unquote Holocaust of the storm. So for her to control the... The destruction of the storm, she has to, her effort has to be as hard as the violence. It was just a weird way yeah, to I don't think that makes that. sense. I, anyway, I, I just, really just kind of noticed because there have been a few references before, too. Yeah. In past issues and building up to this where he talks about the Holocaust and not, not in, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not claiming this is any kind of anti Semitism or anything. No, but, but it, they're not, they're <coughs> not like Holocaust stories. Like, we'll get one, spoiler alert, later in this episode. Yeah. Where the Holocaust actually refers to the Holocaust. Right. Well, he's referring to it here. Yeah, but but not in a... Because he says the Holocaust. I mean, he's talking about the Holocaust, not... You think so? Like, he's not just using a... Like, to say this is bad like the Holocaust? Like, okay. No, because it's 1981. That makes it weirder. It's it's 1981, (laughs) so it's not like he's using Holocaust as a generic death by fire. He's talking about the Holocaust, and he says the Holocaust, right? right? Well, honestly, you can't... And I agree. He's not being anti-Semitic necessarily, but he's... It's just weird. It's just, I wrote too soon on my thing. Because it's just, he's talking about it in a way that is uncomfortable. Right. And maybe 1981, I don't know. I don't know how people viewed the Holocaust by that point. I mean, people knew about it, obviously. Well, it seems like one of those terms, though, that maybe it had a meaning before. Well, it did. It did, but but now there's no way to disassociate that. Right. From I would say after 1945, Holocaust. there yeah. is never, that word always means that. Right. So to use it in this way is just weird. Yeah. It's not. You know, it's funny. I just heard a recent conversation on a, I think it was Film Sack. They were talking about Ground Zero. 
Yeah. And there was some action movie that was called something Ground Zero. Oh, and it just yeah. referred to just a generic Ground Zero. Right. And they were discussing whether that term should always be associated with 9-11 or whether it can just mean Ground Zero. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good, that's yeah, a good question. Yeah, but that, they kind of re- this co- the two but conversations yeah, similar, reminded me of each other. Similar kind of, kind of discussion. I do think in the case of Holocaust. I think, yeah, is without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's weird, and I, I read I read that too, and I thought I took a second take at that because I thought that's for one, like I said, it's a weird way to use it, but just to reference it, I don't know, it just seems weird. Yeah, it, is, it seems too casual. I guess. That's, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's not because it's not like oh, this is inappropriate no. or disrespectful, but it's also like. But it's also not right. Like it also right. just feels like this isn't <laughs> this isn't how you talk about the Holocaust. Like we don't right. use the Holocaust to make jokes or to or even really to compare. It's yeah. There's no there's no comparison. I mean, yeah. there are very few comparisons. I mean, you can make some comparisons, but right. there are very few comparisons. Well, yeah, you can make like genocide can compare. Right. Right. You know, Stalin or or uh, yeah, or stuff in Africa, the Khmer Rouge, like that, right. that kind of thing. You can you can make those comparisons, but. Comparing it to the strength, I don't know. And like I said, it doesn't even make sense to me in this right. context. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, weird. I do like Stormy Storm. Stormy Storm, I like it that too. It looks pretty cool with, with her lightning face in the wind. Yeah. The way that panel is drawn where Doom's agreeing to let the X-Men go. <laughs> it looks like he's trying to cough a feel it again. So. I thought this was great because I thought it was really funny. Because for one, it gets us back to, well, was arcade a prisoner or not yeah i don't really know because then it's like he hands him over yeah so it's he was his to hand yeah which is kind of makes it a little murky and his bow tie is even bigger but and then it just the the i just laughed really hard at at dr doom still hitting on storm right and basically trying to still kind of not completely rebutting it yeah trying to leave this whole episode with an opening for a future possibility, you know? Yeah. He's like, let's clean the slate. I right. made some mistakes. You made some mistakes. Yeah. Let's yeah. clean the slate. And right. and Storm is, you're right. We've, we're not friends. We're not enemies. Clean slate clean. Right. Ball's in your court, next which she ti- says. Yeah, yeah. Which is very The next time me. we meet. Yeah. Call me maybe. That was call very, me maybe. Uh, I did the yeah. little phone hand. It was a call signal. me maybe. That was totally. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> And then we <laughs> jump to <laughs> jump to Blue Lagoon, playing but, out. But uh, Scott calls we Gene. Yeah, that's oh, right. That's never good. No, not good. Oh, Gene. So, anything else you got? Nope. All right. So I really, really love the storm stuff. Yeah. Did not care for much of anything else, and I thought the art was not as good as last issue. The art, <laughs> yeah, the art is not good again, especially the Wolverine art. Well, Wolverine in his suit is okay, and there's a couple of good, like the one you mentioned in the shadows, really. Good I actually panels. thought the Wolverine stuff was alright. I meant in the flashback, the yes, clean cut Wolverine. But that's a really style weird. choice. I don't know if that's really necessarily bad art. It's just a bad choice. Ah, uh, true. Touche. Yeah. Um. This is a tough. This is a tough one to rate to me. Yeah. The Nightcrawler stuff I also liked a lot. Oh yes, yeah, that part was. I thought cool. that was really good. Really, actually, everything except for the the Colossus thing was kind except of weird. Except for the actual main story. Yeah, but yeah, to me, I I I want to give this one a five just because of the storm. Yeah, that's kind of where storm. I was. But I ended up on four out of six. Yeah, I'll probably stick with a four. Right. No, I'm gonna give it a five because I really liked that. I mean, I was I thought that was okay. it was really cool. Yeah, you know, in the Wolverine kind of... flashback, the story part's really cool. Yeah, I think I think they're gonna sell me on it. I think 
We'll both give Uncanny X-Men 147, yeah. five out of six claws. It's a very soft five. Yes. But but I think I think this it deserves a five. And we're back. Here we are. I don't know. I'm going to stop doing that. <laughs> I'm starting to irritate myself with all, all right. that. Okay, so 148. Uncanny X-Men 148. We have... Chris Claremont, writer, Dave Cockrum, Joseph Rubenstein, artists, Janice Chang, letterer, Glennis Wine, colorist. Is this Janice Chang's first? I don't remember if we've had her once before or not. I don't know. So, we open up with... Oh, let's get our cover. Oh, cover. Another terrible cover. Oh, man. I I abhor this cover. This is a bad cover. It was cover. like the worst, like... All right, you remember... If you're going through these old 80s comics, 70s, 80s comics, there's the uh, the ad for Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. This looks like a bad ad for a bad Saturday morning cartoon. Yes, it does. I mean, it doesn't even look like Cockrum bad. Like, it just looks bad. It's just stupid. The shadow think, monster uh, is stupid. Spider-Woman looks like, uh, which one is the dark-haired one in Archie? Uh, Veronica, Veronica, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. She looks like Veronica and Dazzler at the bottom. There's Betty. Yeah, man. And you have just, a passed out Kitty Pride who's in a suit that she does not wear this whole comic. <laughs> being held by a purple shadow that looks more like an Old West villain. Yeah, or the shadow. Or the shadow. Right. Um, and then you have a weird looking storm running and little Dazzle sparkles in the sky. Not good. And yeah. a weird streak that doesn't... Oh, I guess that's, that's electricity. Bolt. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's bad. It's a pretty, pretty awful cover. Pretty awful. But I'm so, sure the issue will be much better. Oh. Right? Let's keep going. <laughs> All right, this is Cry Mutant. What do we Cry got, Cameron? Cry Mutant. We open up with a half-naked Scott and a half-naked Lee. Yep. They've discovered the city at the last minute. They've also discovered matching shorty shorts. Matching shorty or shorts. jorts. And they are... Walking into the city, we find out. Now, did we already know they were in the Bermuda Triangle? I don't remember if they I, I specifically disclosed that or not. They, I it, felt like been I didn't so know that. little devoted to it. It's yeah. hard for me to remember. When I read it, I thought, "Oh, they're in the Bermuda Triangle," because I'd thought briefly that they were on the same island as Doom. Oh, okay. So anyway, but I don't know if they may have said it, and I just missed it. Anyway, that's where they are. So they walk around the city. They can't find anybody. So Lee says. For one thing, Scott should be glad that he's blind, or that he can't see, because he's got his eyes covered, so he doesn't see the state of their clothes, which I thought was a ridiculous statement, because yeah. why would he not want to see a half-naked lady? Right, exactly. That didn't make any sense. And then, they're walking around, knowing they can't find anybody, so she says, hey, there's no one around here, let's take advantage of it. Grabs Scott, starts to kiss him. He then burns her and says, Lee, don't please. She says, what's wrong? Is it Jean? (laughs) And he says, her name was Jean Grey. Like that makes a difference. We were in love. She died. I like you, Lee. I care for you too much, but it's too soon. Too soon. I don't want to get involved again. I'm not asking for involvement. I know how you feel, Scott. I know about grief and loss. We buried my father two months ago, remember? Yeah. This is a total sexist moment here where they have Lee be the classic hysterical woman 
Right. When Scott rejects her, she goes crazy, screams at him, runs off, crying. He is now looks kind of like uh, Carol Brady. (laughs) Yeah. And he can't see, so he's just standing there. I'm cold and hungry and scared. I need a little human warmth and compassion and companionship. She just needs a man. That's more than you can give than to blazes with you. To blazes with you. She just needs a man to make her feel secure, even though he's blind. Yeah. Or blinded. And to demonstrate his blindness, he goes, (laughs) And then he trips and falls down and blows a hole in the ceiling with his things when his. His, he rips off his... My eyes! What was, what was the phrase from before? My blasted eyes my or blast, whatever? Yeah, my cursed eyes. Cursed or whatever, my, I don't yeah. know. Anyway. <laughs> then when he comes back... Then she comes back and says, I'm sorry, we both needed to blow off some steam. And then they hug and they're yeah. all better. Let's go blow off some more steam. There you go. And then we cut to the forest where Wolverine and Nightcrawler are playing in the woods. A harsh game where Wolverine does punch Nightcrawler in the stomach. But they're having a good time, and they're buddies. Then we go to the mansion, where Storm and, well, mainly Angel, is demanding that they get rid of Wolverine because he's afraid. Yeah. He feels like Wolverine's dangerous. Professor X is trying to see both sides. Storm is getting so angry that she's causing a storm outside of the house. Right. Because she's so mad at Angel. Even though she agrees that Wolverine's dangerous, she agrees that he's more of an asset because right. he's trying to do the good, the right thing because of his powers and everything, which is obviously true. Yes. That's the right way. Yeah, Storm is correct. Angel is being a butthead. Yep, but old Angel usually was. He kind of was. So we go along here. We have Colossus. They're fixing something. Danger room still? Yeah, it looks yeah. like it. Still fixing the danger room. Oh, no, 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 the ship. The plane, uh, okay. I mean, I All think. Right. The Blackbird? Yeah, with... Uh, no, Wolverine and... Nightcrawler already fixed that last issue. What are they fixing? They're fixing something. They're in the hangar, but yeah. I don't know what they're fixing. And we have little Ilyana watching them. Well, uh, Banshee and Colossus, that is. Yeah. Then suddenly some lady shows up and gives Banshee a letter from his cousin, Black Tom. Yes. Turns out it's his daughter. Yes, yeah, Siren. Long-lost daughter, yeah. Siren. She first appeared in our last flashback episode in Spider-Woman. Her first appearance was over there. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. And that's why Spider-Woman... Though, at the end of that, because the X-Men showed up, and they said, well, we'll take, we'll take her back to the mansion. So I don't know why Spider-Woman now is bringing her to the mansion. <laughs> well, I was very confused as to where Spider-Woman came from. Yes. I didn't read that issue. So right. in my head, I thought... I took what me, is she doing I looked here? again, and I thought, what in the world is Spider-Woman here for? <laughs> that was really random. Uh, but nevertheless... She's there. Sean Cassidy's excited. Lorna is now jealous. Moira. Moira. I call her Lorna. Moira is now very jealous because she can't give Sean a baby. But to me, I thought that was strange because I thought, now he has a child, so all the better, you know, but she's jealous because now he's going to be excited to see her. Right. So anyway. And you should only be excited to see one person. Exactly. Yeah. You can only love one person at a time. Which is why each of my children, as they've been built, I've quit loving been built. As they've been born. <laughs> as they've been born. You have I, a factory somewhere? I don't forget it. My joke was going nowhere anyway. So. I can get your drift. Now we're in the city and we have Caliban coming out of the sewers. Has yeah. he existed before? Nope. This is his this first is appearance. his first appearance. Okay. Yeah. So Caliban comes out of the floor. Is he a Morlock? I'm sorry, a what? Morlock? I don't know what you're talking about. 
What word am I thinking of? Who are the mutants that live underground? I don't know any mutants that live underground yet. But I'm saying in the future. <laughs> yes, in the future, Caliban will be a Morlock. Morlock, okay, yeah. brother. But that's my was my question. He is a Morlock as time goes on. But yes. in 1981, he's just a weird guy that gets out of the... Yep. That looks a lot like Scarecrow from Batman in the way uh, they have him drawn. Yeah, a cross between Scarecrow and Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, yeah a little bit of both. So he crawls out, speaking in the third person. He's lonely, and so he's lonely. looking, but he can feel other mutants. Yes. So he goes to a nightclub where the ex-ladies are hanging yeah, out. ladies <laughs> All the ex-ladies the are together. They're going to see out. Dazzler. Yay. Oh, Dazzler. So he shows up. He finds some humans. He has a little bit of a fight. Runs off. Dazzler comes out, starts singing. Ugh, I hate Dazzler so much. And then... And Cameron is busted. Kitty immediately changes into her costume. Ah, oh, forgot. Code. forgot. I was thinking this is the one where they introduced the, the costume she gets oh, in the no, next no, issue. No, 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 no. So I was wrong. She's still in her regular X-Men costume. Yeah. So she phases through the ground to figure out what's going on. Storm is mad about it, but doesn't go anywhere. Just leaves it alone. So she can hang out with Stevie Wonder, I mean Hunter, and Spider-Woman. <laughs> so Dazzler, um, anyway, they hear the ruckus. They go, eventually go, try to catch Kitty Pride. Caliban seizes Kitty because he needs some friends, so he's going to make her be his friend. Right. So he has a little bit of a fight with Spider-Woman and Storm, but it doesn't go very go anywhere, really, except he throws Spider-Woman out of a window. He escapes. Crowd starts to panic. Dazzler oh, we calms him down with her music. That's after, though. Um, they take his hood off, and he's like a little phantom-looking guy. Yeah. And he tells them, basically, he's sad and lonely. Yeah. And that he's a mutant. Or he doesn't know the word mutant, but right. he, he, but he, he can tell they're insane. like him. Yeah. So Storm yeah. offers him friendship and yeah. community, and come, then he runs come away. Come to the X-Men. He runs away, and they say, okay, let's go have drinks. Yep. So then they give up. They go back to the club. More X-Ladies on the prowl. Now we jump to back to the island, the lost city with uh, half-naked Scott, half-naked Lee. They are hanging out, and the welcoming committee finally shows up. Welcoming committee shows out, and it is Magneto, the only good panel in the comic. We no, will not talk really. about that later. Magneto shows back up and says, it "I is am Magneto. Magneto. We can agree it's Magneto. I bid you welcome to my new home, though your arrival was unanticipated." Anyway. We don't need to read all that. But yes, he's back. All and right. the dead shall bury the living. It's the next the next comic. Yeah. Which is a pretty cool title, I gotta say. So we get like a uh, a kind of double page spread of the underground underwater city. Coolest panel in the whole book, I think. That is the coolest panel. I take what I said back. Um, but that's more cool because of the way it's drawn, not for what it's telling us. Yes. So going back to our little uh Cyclops at least bat. I, I decided that Cyclops' real mutant power is melodrama. <laughs> I thought it was brooding. Oh, yeah. He's adding <laughs> secondary mutation. Secondary mutation is melodrama. Yeah. So, uh, Lee, uh, that shirt really is just barely hanging on. It is just barely there. That I'm pretty sure in real life, the left boob would be uncovered. I'm pretty sure they would be completely naked. Not in 1981, though. Okay, Freaking comics right. code. So, yeah, really. <laughs> Damn you! Uh, well, let's see. What, there's no page numbers, but somewhere. Uh, nope. All right. Anyway, basically, Nightcrawler says that he is hiding because his dark indigo skin blends into the shadows. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, because we're mentioning 
the hiding again, but now it's not references of power, but ah. just his skin color blending in. So they've abandoned the invisibility. It seems like it we're seems like kind it. of officially... Because we talked about... We talked about how we... At some point... And quit talking about yeah, it. Yeah, at some point, it's because we... Before it was near, it was invisible, then it was near invisible. Right. And then he hid, and they didn't say anything, so we thought, it must be over. Right. Now and it's now just... now it's just saying the more natural skin. thing. Yeah. I'm hard to see. Right. Which makes far more sense, and is much cooler. Just the idea that he's right. camouflaged in that he is really dark. So we'll see if that's the final word on this or not. Yeah, it'd be um, weird if they go back to the invisibility thing. Right. So Wolverine knows ninja moves. So yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot he, he talks, talks about, about that, that a little bit. Now we get a snicked. Into the dirt. Yeah, into the dirt. I, I like how Wolverine talks about how he prefers kind of training with games like this outdoors and yeah. being stuck in the danger room. I thought that was interesting, too. Then we get a reference to the Nightcrawler Wolverine wagering over cases of beer. And I think they kind of hinted at that with the snowball fight in the Savage Land. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I think this is like the start of it where it starts like showing up over and over again. Yeah, where it, be, it's like it becomes a running thing. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible drawing of Angel. Yeah, he completely changes faces. Uh, that looks like... Like a really old, fat guy. Yeah. Instead of the chiseled, very... rich ladies' man. Right, right. Storm has a really cool line where she says, Wolverine is an X-Man because of his potential for good. She says, I, too, abhor Wolverine's violent nature, but he is not an X-Man because of his perfect, sterling character. It is because of his potential for good. Our duty as X-Men is to help him achieve that potential. To deny Wolverine would be to deny our true reason for being. Why does Angel not understand that? Yeah. This is a really cool quote. Yeah, I thought so, too. Just, well, I think it's also... It's reinforcing the idea that, that Storm is one of my favorite X-Men. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think it's also indicative of the, the new team versus the old team. Yeah. And the idea that the new team... I mean, it's not new anymore, but, no. but this version... Angel's original version was a bunch of teenagers who were trying... You know, they were... They just... This is this was their whole life. I mean, they were kids, and then they joined the X-Men, and this was everything. Whereas all these other guys, they have all these this past, these deep pasts that right. lead them in darker and lighter areas. Because even like Storm, you know, as we have stories, and I don't, I don't remember if they've established this yet, but about her being a thief in Cairo. Yeah, yeah they have. I think they have, right? Yeah. So, you know, we, we they have the darkness to story. them. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. We have darkness to a lot of these characters where they've been on both sides of the good versus bad tri- or, um, paradigm. So, I, I don't know. I, thought that was, I, I like that quote, too, because it kind of lays out the idea that the X-Men is not a bunch of goody two-shoes. Right. It's people who are trying to do good. Right. Whose goal is to do good. Maybe they make mistakes. Maybe they have a dark past. They come from anywhere. Well, yeah, but not only that, it's almost like in themes that'll be hit on later and explored later, but almost like it's even a chance for mutants to like rehabilitate. Right. Well, especially, yeah, like when we get later, we start pulling bad guys into the good guy fold, and, right. you know, back and forth sometimes. But yeah. but this, this idea, yeah, for redemption, come to the X-Men, you're working for good now. Right. Doesn't matter what you did in the past. Yep. I like, though, on this whole page, this whole conversation, Moira's there the whole time, does not say one single word. She does not. She's like a good lady should. <laughs> uh, sorry. Cyclops no, came in no, and said that. No, no. Cyclops, get out of here. That was Yeah, that was not Jason. No, that was, that was misogynist Cyclops. Yeah. Otherwise known as regular Cyclops. Yeah. I like how Ileana holds her nose when tele- yeah. when uh, Nightcrawler ports in and out. Yeah, she didn't oh, like that, that sulfur smell. 
Oh, and I also like how Professor X mentally eavesdrops. <laughs> yeah. On uh, Banshee and uh, Teresa. Yeah. Um, and then they all bust in like. Ah, yeah, uh, I forgot about. <laughs> I forgot about Caliban's stupid third-person talk. Yeah. So there's a thing here where they talk about Caliban absorbing emotions. That's, is that one of his powers after this? I couldn't really remember I mean, what his powers much, are. Well, he's pretty much. he's pretty much like a mutant hound. That's right. Like the Morlocks and other people would use him. Yeah, yeah, he could feel like them. He detects mutants yeah. and he's used to track them down. Isn't he also really big, though, in the future? He big gets bigger, yeah. I thought so. I do think it was interesting that Cochran made a choice. So far in all the Dazzler appearances we've had, her disco ball necklace has always been right in front of a nipple. <laughs> and Cochran doesn't do that. So get on Cochran. Good for you, Cochran. As terrible as Dazzler is. I do like the little comedic moment. After Kitty goes under the table and changes costume and phases through the floor, she talks about um, how she's using her powers and she says... If Aurora could see me now, I bet she'd be so proud. And that's the last panel on a page. Yeah. We turn the page to immediately, if I get my hands on that <laughs> child, I'll wring her neck. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Kitty was real proud of herself. Yeah. Storm was not. So Dazzler talks about a wild guitar riff. Is that a Zach Wild? <laughs> I don't it know. It is whammy squeals. I hope so. There was definitely some... Uh, so what? whatever... Some uh, Whatever equal or not equality, whatever um, gentlemanly points Cochran scored by not putting the disco ball over her nipple, he loses on this page where we have two booty shots in one panel <laughs> yeah. of a Storm and Spider Woman, and that Spider Woman one's kind of uh, yeah. like looks pretty naked with it, just red. It does. <laughs> I, I I agree. I saw. I was thinking about that too. I mean, Storm just definitely I mean, looks I like her underwear. I wasn't thinking about it. Oh, you were thinking about it. <laughs> You asked me to let you think about it by yourself for a little uh, while. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely looks pretty pornographic. Yeah. <laughs> pretty funny. Well, so does the Dazzler. It looks, um, anyway. Oh, her zipper camel toe? Yeah. <laughs> They're, uh, he's definitely pushing the boundaries of yeah. the, what the comics codes will allow. Right. All in the name of costume. So at first I was confused with how Caliban knocked Kitty out. And then we realized she just fainted. Yeah, which is kind of funny. I thought I said boo. Funny as in. I wasn't too happy with that. Yeah, funny as in like. She just fought a demon. Right. Why would this guy only speaking in the third person with a crazy hat? Right. Make her faint. Yeah, I I did think it was weird though that I always talked about the whole issue is how he's alone and he hates being alone. Yeah. But then the X Men are like, "Well, hey, come back with this," and he just runs off. Yeah, that's what that's what I said. I thought that was weird. And I guess the, the the idea is that he was too scared. He was afraid, yeah, because they fought him. But but yeah, still, it didn't really make sense. The whole reason he came out of the ground is to find right. community. So this last scene actually kind of makes me mad. Why is that? Well, because you have Spider Woman, who's not an X Man, who says, "You know, we really should have gone after him." But all the X Men are like, "Oh well, let's drink." And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like letting him go. First of all, he could still be dangerous. True. And he probably should go back to the mansion. I mean, we know it would be a better fate than what he's going to in the future. Yeah, but um, look, how often do the ex-ladies get to go out? How often are they all together? Well, apparently Dazzler is playing a concert like every night. They've, so, you they've know got what? to live it up. Okay. You know, this is, this is their time to be ladies, to get a little ladies. drunk. Get a little drunk. And I don't know. No, I, I agree with you. It's, dance. It's, Let's just do a little dance. dance on, yeah. 
I agree with you. It's it's weird that they're that they don't follow up, especially this, him this saying is very un X Men like. Yeah, well, and, and even and, Storm says if Professor X hadn't found us, we'd be like him, hunted, right. frightened, alone. But what is done cannot be undone. Right. It's like why not? Why don't you Bullshit. go find him? Tell yeah. him, hey, we can help you. We can care for you. Right. You don't have to be scared. Right. That was a strange, a yeah. strange like. Well, oh well. All right, so I'm going to disagree with you. I don't. I actually don't like this last panel of Magneto. The drawing of Magneto? Yeah. No, the art's not good. Oh, okay. I yeah. just meant the fact that Magneto was back. Yes, that part was, part's what was cool. exciting. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. No, the panel itself, the drawing, no. But anyway, yeah, no, the art's where his legs are too skinny and his helmet's yeah, oddly just, big. He just looks strange. The art's just bad, not very good. Yeah. I'm sorry, Cockrum, but... Cockrum, you're just, not, you're not, well, we'll talk more about that later. You just haven't... Nope. <laughs> So, I think the idea of Caliban is cool. I do, too. Uh, this story is not cool. It is not cool. I, The only real positive I found in the whole story, we talked about Storm's speech defending Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, the Wolverine Nightcrawler part is interesting. It is interesting. And then Kitty has this revelation after the Caliban incident where she talks about maybe I should not look at appearances. Yeah. And she's going to try to be nicer to Nightcrawler. Now, that part was interesting. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Do you have anything else you want to say? I do not. Uh, the art was pretty bad, the pretty whole bad. issue. story um, was not very good. Yep. All right, so what are you going to give on Kenny X-Men 148? I'm going to give this one a two. Oh, man. Why? Stole my grade. Sorry. That's all right. I, I'm tempted to give it a three just because of the return of Magneto. <laughs> I was. I had to fight to give it a two. But, but yeah, but no, two, solid two all for right. me. I also don't really like Spider-Woman as a character. I mean, I don't really dislike her. It's just kind of a random addition. Right. Yeah, it seemed kind of weird. All right, so that's Uncanny X-Men 148. We both give it two out of six claws. All right, Uncanny X-Men 149. And the dead shall bury the living. On the cover and the title. I like that title. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I think it's a cool title. So, Chris Claremont is the writer. Dave Cockrum and Joseph Rubenstein are the artist. Janice Chang is the letterer. Glennis Ween is the colorist. And the cover is by Cockrum and Rubenstein. Don't really like this one either. I actually like this one really more than the other ones. God, they're so stiff. His covers are so stiff. <clears throat> they're very stiff. I think the Wolverine is pretty good. Okay. Nightcrawler's face is weird. Storm's okay. I, I think it's okay. Well, Nightcrawler like, has shadows. I kind of like the face in the background a little bit. Okay. It's Kitty Pride's outfit, which we'll get into in the comic, is Woo! so bad that it kind of ruins the cover. It's still not a good cover, but I think it's better than the last three. Okay. I'll give you that. So, Professor X is sure the Magneto is up to no good. Because he's always... Up to no good. A little uh, fan appointment for you guys. <laughs> Kitty proves she has no future as a fashion designer <laughs> with a costume that only Punky Brewster could love. Punky Brewster. So the X-Men, because due to Professor X's mutant power of being paranoid, goes to check out Magneto's old Antarctic volcano base. Kitty stows away. The base is guarded by Garrock. Remember him from the Savage Land? Yep. Who Magneto saved and then left there. <laughs> he is now a half crystal, half rock monster. He wants to throw Storm down a hole. 
Kitty's phasing hurts him. He falls down the hole he made for Storm. The X-Men go <laughs> the home. The irony is so thick. <laughs> <laughs> the X-Men go home worried about Magneto. Meanwhile, in Magneto's island city, he identifies Cyclops. All right. So I will say, based on this cover, the team in this issue, if I can only have one five-man X-Men team, there's a good chance this would be it. Yeah. There might be some subtle changes. Like, I might train in and out a little bit. Like, I might have Cyclops pop in sometimes, Rogue, some other future X-Men. But this right. this is a solid five-man roster. I agree. But for me... It's, I mean, it's, in case you're not seeing, it's Wolverine, Kitty, Colossus, Storm, and Nightcrawler. Yeah. Which, for me, Wolverine, Colossus, and Storm are my three favorite X-Men. See, I would say Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Storm. Yeah. But Colossus is right up there, too. And for me, Nightcrawler, right up there, too. And I like Kitty a lot, as well. I do, too. They uh, they kind of have to force her usefulness sometimes, but... Well, they're establishing her still. Yeah. I, but, yeah, this, I is think a, this is a great team. If memory serves correct, they grow out of that. Yeah. It's a good team. So, the first panel, I'm going to throw out there immediately... The color of Professor X's shirt makes him look like an inmate. He looks like Lex Luthor in jail. He does look, yeah. He looks like <laughs> Lex Luthor because the bald head and the orange shirt makes him look like he's in prison. I thought that was a, an interesting choice. So on page two, pre-retcon, Professor X talks about Magneto's origin being unknown. He knows nothing about his past. Right. You know, except for when they were best friends. Right. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe he forgot. He got mind. He mind wiped himself one morning on accident. Or maybe he just doesn't know that Magneto is Eric Lynchur yet. You know, I'll buy that as maybe a possibility. I can't. I mean, that's a big stretch. I can't remember if they've ever fought him without his helmet or not. I don't know. That's a big stretch, but I think that's that's one way you could possibly make that make sense. Huh. That somehow he doesn't realize the the identity of. Magneto. Yeah. Okay, so why don't you describe Kenny's new costume? First, I'd like to say just briefly the okay. whole idea that they turned Magneto into a baby <laughs> is still I'm, so funny. I'm still, that was one of the last stories before they went to reprints. I'm still assuming that's the story that got the X Men canceled. Yeah. The first go around. It had to be because that is just utterly ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I can't, I can't fathom a world where someone thought, <laughs> this is a really cool story. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. The only thing that would have made that worth it is if there's a panel somewhere with Professor X with Baby Magneto and a Snuggly. <laughs> That's got to exist somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, so Kitty's got striped purple, black, and white Punky Brewster socks. Yeah. Like you said. She's got some roller skates on. Yeah, like Dazzler, she says. Like Dazzler. She's got yellow tights, shiny metallic looking tights. Yeah, so I, under everything else is like a metal gold yeah. body case or yeah. suit or something. something. Green shorts, red tank top with blue and purple lightning bolts, and then orange gloves. And a Marvel Girl style purple mask. Yeah. It's bad. It's really disgusting. Which... As we'll as we'll get into it, they're deliberately giving. Yeah, her a well, I wasn't sure costume. at first. <laughs> at first, you're not sure, but quickly 
Because, you know, I wouldn't put this past Cocker. The yeah, stars it is 1981. The Although the colors is a little more 1986, probably. Right. I could see them seriously trying to make this someone's costume. Fast forwarding a few years, 87, something like that. But yeah. at this point... So so <laughs> life Lessons by Wolverine. Well, hold on. we got to talk about how Professor X is a total jerk. Oh, he's a dick. She phases in there to show him her new outfit, and he basically mentally forces her out of the room <laughs> after scolding her and well, telling her that he's she's ruined some data on his computer. Well, yeah, because she phased through the wall and messed up all the computers. Right. And although she says she's a wizard computers and can help, he still kicks her out. He's stupid very mad kid. about it. He says, get, get off my computer lawn, you stupid kid. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so Life Lessons by Wolverine. Two most important things in life, beers and broads. Beers and broads. I cannot agree more. I cannot argue with that. <laughs> uh, Nightcrawler gets a little lightning zap in the butt yeah. from the storm. Yeah, they throw oh, Kitty around like she's a stuffed animal. Oh, oh, sorry. I missed something. So when Wolverine says, uh, when it comes to the important things in life, brews and broads, I am very precise. <laughs> What is? What do you think that means? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a good question. Okay, I'm gonna... I'll leave that up to you, dear listeners. <laughs> what, what does it what mean to be precise, precise about with a broad? Yeah. Maybe it means he doesn't just sleep with any girl, but yeah. only the ones he particularly likes. He's a monogamous kind of guy. I don't think so. I think he's talking about aim. <laughs> Maybe. And you can you can make him that what you will. <laughs> um, Maybe so. I do also like how Wolverine very perceptively, he's kind of giving Kitty a hard time, but he calls Colossus her boyfriend. So he yeah. definitely picked up on the crush she has on him. Well, he could probably smell the pheromones. That's true. He probably can. <laughs> he probably smells He the... can smell the young lust. Yeah. Him and Steven Tyler. <laughs> Gross. I said, of course her stupid skates are inspired by stupid Dazzler. Yeah. All right, you have anything you want to talk about in this, this middle section up to our climax? Uh, not really. Except that everyone is a jerk about Kitty's costume. Yes. We didn't specify that. Yeah, everybody hates it. It's kind of the joke of the issue. Right. Which is good. We don't want them to like that costume. Alright, so on the last page, they dress up Cyclops and Lee Forrester in, in the worst underwater sci-fi clothes ever. Yeah, I don't. I think it's really weird that they get these bizarrely royal costumes. I think it's weird that she feels embarrassed and says she doesn't feel modest when she's actually as little clothing as she's wearing. She's wearing more clothes than she's wore the whole time they've been shipwrecked. Yeah. Well, and she looks like she's something out of the Shi'ar Empire. Yeah. And Colossus looks like his dad. I mean, Cyclops? I mean, Cyclops looks like his dad. He does look a lot like his dad. Especially with those boots. Yes. Those little floppy pirate boots. And the little crazy... Forearm jewelry. Okay. So he's about to swashbuckle his way into space, but not really. Okay, so there's a uh, very touching letter uh, from Fort Worth, Texas, of all places. Woohoo! My my place of birth. Anyways, it's from a disabled person writing in about her affinity for Nightcrawler. How it gives her courage and interesting. Like just the idea of being an outcast and looking different. Like I guess this person has a. Something. Something. I don't remember exactly that what she said. To look different. Yeah, but she feels like she looks different, and so I don't know. Just a really powerful letter about how the X Men, what they mean to her. That was really cool. Yeah. Okay, so I thought the art was again a little bit better this issue. A little better. 
Now the story was okay. Yeah, it's not as. You know what I? You know what I decided because this, this story could have been really creepy. Because you have this idea of the X Men kind of they're going to check out like Magneto's old base. It's been abandoned. There's something in there. Yeah, this could have easily been a horror movie of some kind. Yeah, and I think that would have been better. I also think it would have been better if instead of bringing back Garrock, don't even tie it to Magneto at all. Yeah. Like, it's his base. But just say some monster just gets trapped down there. Yeah. Like, maybe from the center of the earth or from the... They dug out to the savage land. Maybe something crawled back into it. Right. You know, like, I, I think making this, like, a monster issue would have been a lot better and a lot more interesting. Except that they just did that a couple of issues before. Yeah, I think this... You're talking about the Christmas story? Yeah. But I think this could have been better than that. True, but I'm just saying they had done, they did a monster issue before. Yeah, that's so. true. I but just, this is Garrick's, basically a Garrock monster. is stupid. Yeah, it's and, it's a weird... And he doesn't, he doesn't look cool. Half melting, half not, whatever he's supposed to look like. Half rock, half diamond or something. I like, yeah, I like that Kitty snuck, her, snuck along. That she's kind of gradually becoming more important to the team. Yeah. Because uh, she pretty much saves the day, again, in this issue. When she phases through Garrock and messes him up. Yeah, so anyway, I think there was potential for a good story and they blew it. Yeah, I agree. All right, anything else you want to talk about before we move on to 150? No, this was a very blah issue. Yeah, all right, so Uncanny X-Men 149, when are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a three. Okay, I'm going to give it two out of six claws. No, I'm going to do two, two. I hate to change two, my... Two, two? Two, two. I'm going to do two also. I was thinking about which ones I gave threes to. Because even the other two had something good in it. This is really nothing. Yeah, there's not no much redeeming. There's nothing in, in it that's terrible, but there's also nothing in it that's really great. Yeah, because even some of the other stories, there was like at least one really awesome part. Right. And the best parts of this issue still weren't awesome. Yeah, it was just very blah. All right, cool. Let's move on to our last issue. Ended too abruptly. It was, but it was very fitting for our double-sized 150th issue. Double-sized 150 issue. X-Men versus Magneto. Nuff said. Nuff said. (laughs) I don't know. That's because we kept talking after Nuff said. There you go. That was our warning. (laughs) Nuff said. Yes, X-Men 150. I'm Magneto. I'm Magneto. I Magneto. I. No, it's a pronoun, not the pirate. Yep. Chris Claremont, writer. Dave Cochran, Joseph Rubenstein. Rubenstein? Rubenstein or Stein? I say Stein. It's because I like German. Stein. And Rob Wyatt. Bob Wyatchek. Bob. I say Rob. Bob Wyatchek. Yep. Artists. All three of them. He's going to pitch in on the inking. Interesting. Tom Orzacek. Orzachowski and Gene Simek in the letters. Hey, everybody got help this issue. Yeah. Glennis Wine is the colorist. Yep. Glennis Wine. Right. So, so we got a Cochrane Rubenstein cover. Yep. This one I think is better, but still not great. Nope. All right. So basically, it's Cyclops shooting a very tiny close range optic blast. You know what? This is not better as I look at it more closely. <laughs> at Magneto who's deflecting it with his magnetic shield. Magneto's drawn very weird. Yeah, and Storm's Cyclops. holding Kitty. All right, there are two the two three best things about this cover besides Magneto's font on his name. I like the orange background with kind of the black streaks 
I kind of like the way Magneto's helmet looks with his eyes. Yeah. No, it makes it look like his nose is not there. His like body his face is, is weird. His body is drawn. I don't away. like his body. Yeah. And Kitty's crappy costume gets torn. <laughs> yeah, this is all torn up, which is good. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's not a great cover. All right. Well, I have a lot to say on this one, but I will try not to interrupt you too much. So okay, go for so it. We'll just kind of roll. I'll roll through the highlights, and then we'll go back. So we start off with Magneto basically giving his plan, telling... As the best I, villains always do. Yeah, although I thought he was telling Scott and Lee, but then as I panned down, I realized they're not there, so he's just talking. Oh, no, he's, he's just he's, straight up monologue. He's doing his hologram to the world leaders. Oh, oh I get it. I was saying. So, yeah, so he goes to all the world leaders. We got Reagan. We got uh, Margaret Thatcher. We got, I believe, Brezhnev, whoever the guy in China was some Saudi Arabian fella and Kenya, all telling them basically that they must disarm. Nuclear disarmament across the board. All killing will stop. And that's his plan. Terms will, are not he negotiable. He will rule the world in it an, is an era of peace. He is going to force peace on everyone. Yep. Classic dictator style. Yep. He's got a little thing of champagne, oddly. <laughs> Scott and Lee come in. They question him a little bit. He explains it a little more. He says the nations of the world spend over a trillion dollars a year on armaments. I believe the U.S. alone spills a trillion dollars now. Just that's an interesting stat there. <laughs> and he's basically saying he is offering a golden age of peace. By offer, though, he means he is forcing right. a golden age of peace where he's going to be in charge. Cyclops asks about freedom. We get a little discussion about what does freedom really mean? If you're starving to death... Is that freedom? Magneto says no. Cyclops is skeptical, though. Cyclops, though, now can see because Magneto's using some kind of uh, power suppressor. Oh, the good old power inhibitor. The old power inhibitor. So Cyclops does try to slap him at some point for some reason. He, they, they're talking about well. Gene. Oh, that's right. So he explains this whole plan to him, and then Magneto goes, Hey, wait a minute. Didn't you used to love Jean Grey? What yeah. happened there? What was it? What's <laughs> this girl Jean? doing here? <laughs> he needed to be fill in on the uh, the teenage drama, so he gets information. Now, as that's happening, Soviet ship fires some missiles at Magneto for some reason. Soviets apparently hot headed. So Magneto not only destroys the missiles, but then actually destroys the ship itself. Sinks this Leningrad ship, or at least wrecks it, so it starts to sink to the bottom. And then he warns Russia that if they try it again, he's going to do even worse. Now, we push ahead here. We get another kissing scene between Scott and Lee for some bizarre reason. As Lee sits on the porch, and, or the dock, and re- sitting on the dock of the bay. <laughs> and um, basically uh, pouting that she's whistle. human and Magneto will probably just kill her. Yeah, probably. Now the Firebird comes along. X-Men are in there. They're having a hard time. They're flying everywhere. Who's controlling this? What's going on? They all jump out of the plane. Or no, the plane crashes in the water. And they get some scuba gear on. X-Men scuba diving. Suddenly, Cyclops turns no longer metal, which we know, of course, is because of the power inhibitor. Colossus. Did I say Cyclops again? Yeah. Man. <laughs> What's wrong with me tonight? Colossus. Um, anyway, so then... So, but the whole problem here is I guess he was the odd man out on the scuba gear. Well, because he they, didn't need well, it. Well, he doesn't need it, so they... But, yeah. Yeah. So they didn't give him any. So he turns human, and now he needs it, and no one's there to give it to him. So Lee's walking on the dock again, and Wolverine have a, a great little meet-cute while Wolverine grabs her and <laughs> throws her in the water and tells her to shut up or he's going to murder her. <laughs> and then they, she meets the X-Men. 
great start. Colossus is drowning or unconscious, so Kitty gives him some mouth-to-mouth. Oh, yeah. And then he wakes up and survives. Yay, Colossus. Yay. Now, Wolverine almost kills Scott, but luckily we get a reunion. Scott, who seems oddly calm and happy. Hey, Wolverine, relax. (laughs) And then they have more reunion time. Everybody hugs. Everybody's glad to see each other. Wolverine starts cutting holes in the wall, and they start to try to undo Magneto's plan. Now, they realize, they say they can't defeat Magneto because he's too powerful. Right, so they're going to go after his But they can defeat his plan. So we get another double attack, much like we had against Doctor Doom. Cyclops, Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Wolverine are going after the machine. They're going to take the machine. There you go. Kitty. Where is Kitty? Kitty's going after the computer. She's going to go after the computers, which we've already established. She messes computers up when she phases through it. Yeah, but she's also a computer whiz. And she's a computer whiz. Yeah. The irony. The irony. So Storm creepily walks in on Magneto sleeping. <laughs> yes. Who, for a long time, doesn't wake up. She wanders <laughs> around the room. She, she thinks to herself, looking has at him, smelling him. Yes. Debating whether or not to murder him in his sleep. When she finally decides she should... Maybe she should. He wakes up. Now, while that's playing out, Wolverine and Nightcrawler are tearing up the machine in a great line where he says, basically, Nightcrawler says, um, basically, the secret weapon cannot be shut down. So Wolverine says, all right, then, since we can't turn it off, let's wreck it. And then he starts tearing it. it up. Yeah, Wolverine style. Now, fast forward a little bit. Storm picks up a knife. Magneto realizes it, grabs her, throws her out the window. Then suddenly, Professor X shows up in the astral plane, distracts Magneto, and he does end up catching and taking hostage a bunch of them. But then that's when Storm, who he thought he killed because he threw out the window, she shows back up, smashes the computer, everybody gets their powers back, great panel where they all, except for Cyclops' stupid costume, and Kitty's stupid costume, where they all at once attack Magneto. And they actually kind of defeat him, not completely, but it goes back and forth. Pretty goes epic back and forth battle, a little bit. Pretty epic battles. Pretty good action sequences. Magneto mm-hmm. in this last final part, Storm and out in the water, Nightcrawler. Everybody's kind of everywhere. Magneto grabs Kitty Pride and is about to kill her, and then she phases, which messes his suit up and causes him to electromagnetic shock, and then she passes out, but he believes she's dead. Right. And he thinks he's just killed a child. Right. And comes to the realization that he was trying to provide peace, but at the cost of a lot of innocents dying, and basically gives up. Storm shows up. He talks about Auschwitz and the Holocaust. We get the first... Yeah, getting some of that. He hints at it. Because that's never been mentioned yet, right? No, I don't think specifically, no. I think that I feel like there may have been a hint before, maybe, where we said, "Oh, in the future," but but ne- spelling it out for the first time, I believe, with the idea of his own childhood, the gas chambers of Auschwitz, the guards joking, all this kind of stuff about how basically his plan was going to make him no better than the Nazis because he was right. going to kill a bunch of people, which just didn't even want to happen. So Storm threatens to kill him, and he says, "Kill me if you wish. I will not stop you." And then she's surprised, and he tells her his change of heart, and she says, basically, just give me Kitty, and he does, and, and he then away. disappears. Yeah. And Storm kind of pulls the, I guess he got away. I guess he got away. Cut to X-Men Beach Party. Beach Party. Volleyball. Surf's up, Wolverine. Surf's up. 
roasting marshmallows, storming a bikini. Yeah. Everybody's having a great time. Who knows what happened to Magneto? Yep. And Colossus, someone suddenly realizes, hey, where's Colossus been this whole time? And then Kitty uses the force to try to pull a submarine out of the water. Yeah, nice Star Wars reference. Or not she actually refers to the Dagobah scene. Yeah, and she pulled, not, I said submarine, the Blackbird. She pulls and then actually turns out it was Colossus lifting the Blackbird right. out of the water. Because she is not Luke Skywalker. No, she is not. That is not one of her powers. And then we end with a classic 80s, everyone laughing at the last minute. Yes, and we'll talk more about that. <laughs> Freeze frame. Freeze frame. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start okay. off, just generally speaking, I do not care for Dave Cockrum's Magneto. Nor I. <laughs> I don't like it. When he takes the helmet off, I, I don't mind the the Eric Lynchur face. It's okay sometimes. He does it okay. I mean, you know, it's as good as he does any faces. But yeah, something about the way he draws the body and the way the helmet sits on his head that just looks weird. He he looks too much like, you remember those Secret Wars action figures that came out in the (laughs) early 80s? It looks like that. Yeah. Like, he's real thin. Everything's real, like, tight on him. Yeah, I just don't like it. Yep, I'm with you. So I also thought it was funny. You already kind of talked about that. The Magneto takes a deep interest in Scott's love life. Yeah. There's also this weird panel when he's with the champagne in mine, where they didn't color it right, so he has pink hair, like Quentin Choir. Oh, let me see. Yeah, it's on mine too. We find out, all right, so first, our first hint of Magneto's past here is we find out that his family was slaughtered, but we get no specifics. Yeah. At the beginning. Yeah, early on we get a hint about the Holocaust. So did you recognize the Leningrad? The ship? The sub? No. Submarine? This is the sub from uh, X-Men number one. Ah. With the Jim Lee Magneto story. I did not catch that. Yeah. This, Interesting. They refer back to this. Uh, About so, that. And so there's a page where he's talking to um, the Russian leaders, and Magneto looks in disgust as one of the Russian leaders tries to give his hologram a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Oh, I'll back up just briefly. Okay. On, um, oh, we're on page numbers. No. But Scott, when he yells after Magneto's about to sink the sub or mess the sub up, Scott yells, no, you can't, Magneto, let them alone. And I think the phrase, let them alone, must be a regional phrase. You think so? Yeah. Oh, just old time. I've thought. heard it before. Okay. But only like in very few occasions. And I wondered if, is there a regional America where people always say let them alone instead of leave uh, them alone? I don't know. Or is it, like you said, is it an old-timey way to say it? Or is it just something we don't say around here very often? I don't know. Anyway, I had a fourth-grade teacher that used to say, let me alone. <laughs> so she's joking. Anyway, no, not fourth-grade. was that? Yep. Eighth-grade. No one cares. So Wolverine's <laughs> off getting a sandwich when the plane goes crazy. <laughs> yeah, Wolverine's And his uh, adamantium skull knocks out Storm and they bump heads. <laughs> We find out that uh, Magneto caused the shipwreck. So it all kind of comes full circle. When he was shifting the plates around to raise the uh, subterranean city. Right. That's what caused it. That's what made Cyclops and Lee go overboard. Yeah, that's right. So nitpicky, admittedly. But can Wolverine really swim with an adamantium skeleton? That's a good question. like he would just sink and have to walk alongside Colossus. I think he's strong enough that he's able to swim. Okay. 
That would be my only assumption. Because he swims. I mean, there's multiple times where he swims in the X-Men comics. So That's true. That's true. All right, so I'll probably say this multiple times, and I think I've said it before. But it really, really bothers me, and I know it bothers you, that when Colossus is armored up, he has nothing on his legs. But when he de-armors, he has blue leggings on. I know. What is that and about? And we don't get to see his luscious thighs. <laughs> I know. Although sometimes they do it, and it's he looks like a Russian ballerina. Right, or a gymnast. Or, yeah, circus guy. I thought it was really funny that when they're giving the CPR, they did an asterisk and told... Yeah, what was <laughs> this stands for? Cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And I thought, I guess maybe because in 1981, that's fairly new. Yeah, probably. But I just thought in today, no one, I mean, no one knows. Most people don't know that term, probably. Right. But everybody yeah. knows what CPR yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Although that was kind of an interesting blast from the past. Right. And I don't know what happens to Wolverine's sideburns when he gets wet. They get really long and. <laughs> I weird. thought the wet hair kind of looked cool. It does kind of look cool. I just don't really understand why it well, got Cockroom so Well, Cockroom doesn't draw his sideburns as sideburns. He draws them as giant tufts of hair. Yeah, that's He's true. He's kind of been doing that the whole time. Yeah, I guess they're just they're saggier because of the because they're wet. So I guess X Men don't have socks. Yeah, I guess right? not. They all have these leggings that stop like halfway down their their <laughs> shin. Yeah, it looks that way. We get a snicked. Oh, sorry, Psych. I didn't recognize you in that fab outfit. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought of something here. So th- they're in this inhibitor field. Yeah. So I'm assuming then at this point in continuity, we haven't realized that there's any consequences to Wolverine popping his claws with no healing factor. Yeah, that's true. And there's no like, oh, this hurts, or my hands are bleeding. Right. Like it's just, yeah, just the claws come out almost like 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 a more natural cat's claws. Right. Instead of what we have. Modern day, where it actually like comes through the skin on the back of his hand, yeah, and, like cuts him. Yeah, they don't do anything with that. All right, so what do you like better? Because my instinct is to say I like it better that it hurts him, because that's one of my favorite lines from the first movie. Right, where she, where Rogue's like, "Does it hurt?" And he's like, "Every time." Yeah, I, I but like. The, but the only what I just thought of just now when I mentioned the cat comment, if they're claws from a mutant power that he's born with. Wouldn't it seem like his body would have adapted to give them a way out without? Yeah, that's a good point. If the bone claw thing is is right the way you're going with it, then it would make sense that there would be like a natural sheath. Yeah, or like, natural like you outlet. said, like a cat or huh. something. Where I never really thought about that before. Yeah, that's interesting. I thought about that. I've either. always just assumed I preferred it where it hurts, but now I'm yeah. not so sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, regardless, it doesn't bother him at this yeah, point at all. Yeah, he seems to be fine. Or the blood is soaked up by the glove and we just don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cyclops says something um, very mis- misogynistic. Cyclops comes back and he says, I explained my wo- reasons, Wolverine. The women's talents won't be much use to us. So there you go. Women are useless. Women, X the ladies. The X ladies. That's right. And by X ladies, we mean X men ladies, not transgender people. Transgender people. Yeah. Yeah, like I think we... that was pretty clear. Okay. Just but, I'm out. glad you brought it up. <laughs> just in case. Well, you never know with Cyclops' outfit. Um, so we get a snitch with one claw. That was kind of cool. Wolverine, like, precision cuts the wall open. Yeah. So the Wolverine and Nightcrawler are crawling out on the beam to get to the Magneto's machine. Yeah. 
I think uh, Magnet or Nightcrawler gets kind of turned on by the possibility <laughs> of a Wolverine tugging on his tail. All right, yeah. You want to be Wolverine or Nightcrawler? I'll be a Nightcrawler. All right, sorry there. Let me get my German voice. By the way, Wolverine, are you prone to vertigo? I'm prone to survival, bub. I'll manage. Of course, if I do fall, I'll make sure that the first thing I grab is your tail. Promises, promises. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. And scene, yeah. <clears throat> that was a little creepy. I think maybe they've taken this close friendship to a whole new level. They are going somewhere with this. Yeah. A little ahead of their time. Yeah. Oh, wait. Wait, I say. Where did Wolverine and Colossus get their boots from? <laughs> they had no boots when they swam in. Good point. So, uh, Storm is watching Magneto sweep, and of course everybody looks innocent when they're sweeping, right? Right. And Storm starts talking about how he's not an evil man, per se. Right. So, Storm, which one is it? Hey, Storm, is Magneto not an evil man, or did he start the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? <laughs> and I kind of feel like it's got to be one or the other. Yeah. I personally like him as a complex character. Yes, but of for as, At this point, for Storm to suddenly be like, oh, he's not evil. Like, yeah. Seems a little, I don't know. He looks like a baby when he's sleeping. I guess he can't so, be a bad guy. I mean, I guess at some point there had to be a sudden change. Yeah. Because he was so, like, maniacal in his first appearances that for him to become the character we love so much. Right. Like, I don't know if you could have just... I think any any way to introduce that would have probably seemed sudden. Yeah. So, I don't know. Although, I think it would be better, rather than this creepy scene here... Well, no, it didn't have just, to be well, Storm watching But I mean, sleep, just but. going with what happens at the end of this. If that was the okay, beginning like of Storm it. doesn't say anything. Right. Excuse me. Storm doesn't have to say anything at all. Right. She doesn't have to do this whole weird thing. Yeah. She could just, when he talks about Auschwitz and his family and the genocide, and he talks about that, then Storm, at that point, you could have Storm say, he's not an evil man, or whatever, you know, if you wanted to go with that. It seemed like that, that was a more natural moment of realization that he's not complete, 100% evil. Yeah. Then this seems more forced, I think. Alright, probably one of my, what I think is the, one of the best drawn panels in the book is this close-up of Magneto waking up. Yeah, that's I think a good it just panel. looks really cool. I like the Storm's eyes too. The page before, although the, the sweat's the sweat? a little milky looking. But, yeah, I don't know. But I like the idea of the panel up close right. on the eyes like that. It's not as, but definitely the face, the Magneto face is. Yeah, it looks very Hitchcockian. I thought it was yeah. cool. And the and the shading, and everything. Unlike a lot of the other Cockrum stuff, where the shading is kind of weird in places. I thought this was really good. It, that panel looks really modern. Was a way to yes, it does. It, yeah. it looks more like something you'd see today rather than... I agree. ...looking old like a lot of the other stuff. And I love the idea of Magneto putting on his costume. I like, was just controlling about to say it. that. Yeah, that it's all metal and he just brings it all together. Yeah. On him. I, thought that I was like how awesome. it's hanging in the closet, though, and we see it, yeah. like, half of it in the closet and half of it on him. That looks really cool. Yeah. I thought that was cool, too. Yeah, that was that was just straight badass. That's a great panel. Yep. So we get Naked Astral Xavier, or the return of Naked. No, last time he had armor, right? Yeah. Um, this time he comes So I'm assuming, his... then, we have no side-proof helmet for Magneto. Yeah, yet. I was going to ask that, too. If that I can't was... remember if, if, there, if it had been in the past or not. 
Yeah, I don't remember when they introduced that. So I I I assumed it was always the case, but apparently right. not. Okay, so we have a depowered Carol Danvers. There'll be a side a sidebar uh, flashback episode soon about Rogue's first appearance that'll explain all that. Oh. I like how Professor X. All right, so Magneto lifts him up in his yeah. chair, and Ewoks everywhere started worshiping Professor X. <laughs> I like that he says, "My chair, it's flying." <laughs> this is the inspiration. Or his big yellow thing he moves around in in the 90s. There you go. Yeah. And like, hmm, flying chair. I can do something with this. Makes sense. I like... <laughs> All right, so the inhibitor... Uh, Storm smashes the computer, right? Yeah. So the inhibitor field is down. The powers are returning. And Cyclops feels this burning in his head like and that. his eyes. I thought that panel looked kind of cool, too. I like it. I thought it was weird that he references... The mission on Krakoa. Like, oh, this feels just like when my powers returned after Krakoa. Yeah. Instead of referencing like, oh, this feels like the first time I got my optic blast. Yeah, it's weird that that. I, I mean, they the both specific. imply. It just seems like a weird choice to me. I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird, oddly specific moment. Okay, so on your, in your book, on the bottom of this page, when the X Men kind of all get their powers and have this, like, nice action pose scene where Cyclops is trying to punch his foot. In your page, it's Colossus metal with a fleshy head. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think that's just a med. Do you have a no-prize explanation for that? Because I couldn't think of anything. No. Because in the panel before, he's solid metal. Yeah. If he was turning, I would say, well, maybe he's not fully metaled yet. Right. But I think that's just plain... Yeah. Colored wrong. All right, so we, we do, like you mentioned, we get more uh, info on Magneto's family and Auschwitz and all that cool stuff. Yeah. Or Auschwitz isn't cool. Right. But the, the cool part the, of his backstory. Right, but that that's part of his backstory. <laughs> let me, let me cool. make it very clear. Right. I do not think Auschwitz is cool. Right. So Storm comes up. Magneto has just almost killed Kitty. And Storm reveals some more kind of Weird feeling she has for megalomaniacs. She says, give me my child. And then she uh, disrobes <laughs> and wants Magneto to be her baby daddy. Apparently. Yeah. So, beach party. Beach party. Feel like we have random. a missed opportunity. I feel like so, too. Shouldn't Wolverine be roasting marshmallows on his claws? Absolutely. A, wa- a, a waste, waste of a panel. Total waste of a panel. And then... Because retcons in the future aren't enough, we need to go ahead and, and confuse our stories from one issue to the next. <laughs> Professor X, who very last issue says Magneto's origin was completely unknown, talks about maybe Magneto is reverting back to the good man he once was. As if so he already we're, we're turning around on Professor X's knowledge of Magneto. Or maybe the idea is he doesn't know... He knew Eric Lyncher, but didn't know about his past. Okay, so if you're going to go with that theory, I guess you So could. maybe the idea is that they were friends at a time. But he didn't know he was Magneto. But somehow he never figured out. Well, no, maybe he, he knows that he became Magneto. But the idea is that he didn't. they met at some point, and he never, found, he never knew about his past before that. So he didn't know where he came from or about the Holocaust stuff. That they met at some point when, when he was good, and they worked together. 
and then he left to go become Magneto. Oh, uh, okay. Right, again, So stretch. the origin unknown was just the specifics... Right, of, of where where is he from? Okay, because yeah, he talks about him being Caucasian, okay. but maybe Nordic or whatever. Right, All again, right. stretch, maybe. but that uh, that makes sense yeah. in my head anyway. Okay, so um, so your favorite panel? <laughs> All right, so we've established that Kitty is uh, what thirteen and a half? Is that thirteen, fourteen, something like that? Yeah, now. they actually said I think it's thirteen and a half. And so we end after uh, they do the Jedi joke. Right. Kenny laughs and says, uh, can't you guys take a joke? And they're like, no. And they throw Kenny in the ocean. You know what? Teenagers wear bathing suits. No big deal. Right. But for whatever reason, their choice was to put Kenny in a bikini bottom and a white t-shirt. Yeah. Wet t-shirt contest. Yeah. Then they throw her in the water and have her soaking wet. Right. Now, obviously... Thankfully, yeah. <laughs> can't see anything. I just thought it was really yeah. awkward. Well, in the way the legs are spread. I mean, this yeah, is straight it's a off very of seductive. a straight off of like a swimsuit yeah. cover. Yeah, I just Cochran. He's going back and forth on whether he's going to um, sexualize women or try to be legit with yeah. them. Which with Burn, straight sexy. Straight sexy, but not always dirty. Right. Yeah, he just but always like everybody was pretty voluptuous. Yes, yeah, yes. Lots of scenes of scantily clad and yes, Storm taking sh- random showers for no reason. <laughs> that kind of thing was common, right? But yeah, Cockrum has a weird balance where it goes from weird-looking old ladies. But can I? I but the same character looking. I like feel a, like old lady. Like Cockrum's art is not as sexy, but it's more pervy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you're right. Because it's not as because the, the art is not as good, right? So the drawings are not as good, but the stuff he does in the drawings, where you can tell he's deliberately trying to make it look sexy. Well, see, I don't. But do you because think he is, I mean, I almost feel like he has to be. But at the same time, maybe I, not. I don't but know. I can't imagine. It's, I mean, it's 1981. It's not like this is. Yes. Well, either it doesn't matter. Any. Th- I think this is a sexualized picture. That no Cockrum has a stunted, warped view of sexuality based on the fact that everybody made fun of the cock in his name growing up. I would. Th- I think you're right. I, I think there's a psych- a deep seated psychological reason for Cockrum's treatment of women artistically. Yeah. I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> but but especially in that one too, because think about that panel and the the panel right before it, where she looks like Shirley Temple. Yes, yeah, she was like such a kid, like curly, a little kid. Curly hair, small boobies. Barely boobs. Yeah, yeah, just, I mean, she looked like a 13-year-old girl. And then suddenly we have 17, 18-year-old kitty. Right. Soaking wet in the ocean. Yeah, it, it's bizarre. And, and yeah, just like the way he, you know, we, we talked about earlier, like the butt shots and just the way he draws it. It's, it feels dirtier. It doesn't yeah, feel it does. like, oh, these are sexy pictures. This is like, I, I shouldn't be looking at that. <laughs> I don't want to see this. <laughs> it makes you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we sound like a couple of old guys. We are. Uh, we are. But again, right. if the art was better, those things would be better, I think. With I mean, yeah. they're still, you know, not really respectful of women, I guess, is the way right. to put that. But, you know, anyway. So I thought the art in this one was decent. Better. Better than some of the previous ones. I thought the story was fantastic. Yeah, story is very good. Basically, we get 
just another piece, or really a, a big piece of Magneto becoming the awesome Magneto that he's going to be. Yeah. I like, yeah, I definitely like the kind of world domination with the, yeah, the like leaders. Yeah, definitely the villain. Right. But he's much more complex. And well, even, yeah, even with his, his plan is to make peace. Right. Right, his nice plan is not like doom, to get power, to control, get wealth, you know, that kind of thing. His, his purpose, or at least his stated purpose, and you feel like it's an honest purpose, to create peace. Now, he's going about it in a bad way. I mean, from our perspective, from the, since we're all Team Xavier, obviously, it's right. not the right way to do it. And even Magneto, by the end of this, realizes this is not the right way to do it. But, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's it gives us the Magneto that we we love from the future. And it's definitely a step up from everything from else we've talked about on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anything else you want to talk about? Nah. Okay. What are you gonna grade the double size Uncanny X Men one fifty? I think I'm gonna give it a five. Okay. Part of me wants to give it a four just because the art I'm still not crazy about, but I think the story is good enough. There's enough with Magneto. That it should be at least a five. And, you know, bordering even on six. Well, I'm actually going to give it six out of six. six. Okay. The art almost cost it, but I thought it was decent enough. And I just, I really love the issue, the yeah. story. And all the little different parts. I mean, there was a lot in it. It was double, you know, it was double-sized. And, you know, it's not like your typical double album where you're like, oh, that should have just been one. Right, right. Wilco aside. Um, <laughs> But um, but yeah, no, I I I enjoyed every page, writing wise. Yeah. And the art was good enough to not detract from it. So I'm gonna give Uncanny one fifty six out of six claws. So you're gonna you're gonna go with a five. I'll keep it at five because there's a couple of things that I I think are silly. Well, uh, let's uh, let's wrap up, shall we? You're listening to KLTY. <laughs> I don't know why I did KLTY. That is regional <laughs> specific inside joke. I was actually thinking more of like an NPR, but right. KLTY is the first thing that came yeah. out of my head. All right, so that's gonna that's gonna do it for uh, the triumphant return of Dave Cockrum. That's right, triumphant. Triumphant. Not so triumphant return of yeah. Dave Cockrum. All right, so. You want to talk about Cockrum first or Wolverine first? Let's do Cockrum first. Okay. End on Wolverine. Okay, so I don't know how much other episodes you've heard. If you've been listening all along, you may remember, and you can't remember, I've already forgotten this. When we first started doing the flashback episodes, we got to Cockrum pretty early. Yeah. And you may remember me saying something to the effect of liking it more than I remember liking it. I think... <laughs> That's because you're remembering this. I, yeah, I think my distaste for Cockrum, or not my distaste, because he's not horrible. I don't want right. to give the impression I don't like him. I guess my not wanting to put him up with the other X-Men artists was probably based on this period we're in right now. Yeah. And I was trying to think, well, okay, maybe he just got older and not as good. But I've also learned a lot more about comics. Yeah. And I don't want to make, I don't want to, I don't want to throw blame or name names. <laughs> but I can't help but notice that 
we have a new inker, and that him and Cochran are listed as artists, which means they're probably working really closely together. Yeah. And I can't help but wonder, because in the older stuff, Cochran either ain't himself, or there was the green guy. Yeah, it's like four or five. Two other inkers. And the covers he did that were better back then were inked by Terry Austin, who, of course, is one of the best inkers ever. So I'm just wondering if maybe this isn't, just isn't the best team up. And maybe separately both guys are okay, but together it just, I don't know. I mean, could be. Or maybe they just, it just wasn't Cockrum's best year. Yeah. I, you know, I don't really know what the answer is. I just know that I was very, it wasn't bad. I was very unimpressed. Yeah. So, I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. But maybe it's also a, uh, an issue of order. Maybe reading the Cockrum first stuff first before I reread the John Byrne stuff. Yeah. Like I was able to just appreciate it for what it was and, and coming off of really magnificent art, maybe it, it's just harder to read Cock- But I feel like though that Cockrum's art was better the first go around. I think it, has, it was. And at least more consistent. Yeah. I mean there were but, plenty of you know, oh that was a weird face moments. Yeah, yeah, and there was still but a overall, little bit of the stiffness, but I feel like especially his covers, it has gotten a lot more just cardboard. Right. Looking. Yeah, I don't know I don't know what the answer to that is because I agree with you. And it's it's definitely John Byrne is clearly better. So there's definitely a part of it that it's yeah we've just had this run of John Byrne, so now right. this is clearly going to look terrible. But I think if you put this up against the stuff from before, it is worse right. than what you had before. So I don't know. There's a drop off in talent, or you think he's trying to be more up. realistic? I feel like his faces. He's trying to be more like photograph like or more classical art like, whereas original or his first run stuff on the X Men was a lot more just intentionally comic booky. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know because it could. Yeah, maybe it may well just be artistic choices that he's trying to do something different. Right. And this is it, and we just don't like it. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Well, anyway, that's that's a Cockrum's return. There He's going to be around for a while, so we'll have plenty more opportunity to discuss his uh, artistic merits. There you go. All right, so just real quickly, Wolverine. First time he fights Doctor Doom. I think it was a pretty big deal. He won the 1980 Eagle Award for favorite character. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's a pretty good deal. I don't know how wide known the Eagle Awards were. I've never heard of them until I read that. But yeah, I haven't either. Marvel was proud of it at least, so I'm assuming <laughs> at, least, at least two people must have voted for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we talked about him being handy and fixing the night, not Nightbird, the Blackbird with Nightcrawler. Yeah. Yeah, their friendship is continuing to blossom. The a little flash- too far in a few cases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little too much tail pulling. But um, uh, the flashback where he almost killed the Hudsons. Uh, yeah, was the, good. The berserkers being less frequent, but maybe worse when they happen. Yeah, maybe. That kind of maybe the sense we're kind of getting. And, of course, there's a, he expresses a concern about losing control and not being able to pull himself back from it. Yeah. A ninja reference. We talked about how he likes to train outdoors instead of indoors. And we get kind of schism, I guess, between him and Angel. Yeah. And then we get Storm very definitely taking his back. And all they don't do much with that. I'm trying to remember when we see Angel again. Yeah, because he's Because they make a reference to like, well, did Angel just storm off or did he quit? Yeah. I think at one point Storm asked that. And Angel says, you know, I don't know. I don't says, know if I, I don't know if yeah, I can I be part of this team. Be a part of a team. So um, I don't remember yeah, I don't whether he, whether he comes back soon or not. We'll see when he shows so back up. We'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. He kind of disappeared. Of course, all those guys disappeared. That one issue, they all pulled. They pulled all the old guys back, and then they just all 
disappeared. So I am glad that Wolverine's birthday issue was uh, the best issue of the bunch. Me too. All right, so Cameron, why don't you give your normal plugs? I'll give mine, and we'll we'll shut this thing down. Plugs. Um, so my name is Cameron Sinclair. Just kidding. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Cameron Sinclair. You can listen to my podcast, HistoryBanter.com. At HistoryBanter is our Twitter. You know, most of you have probably listened to this more than once, so I'm going to go into my whole spiel. But check it out if you're interested in history and movies or both. Yep. Check it out. It's good you stuff. You should, you should listen. Or if you like rare random comments, follow my personal Twitter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Randomly throw some things out there. Including, yep. we should mention quickly, you favorited this do you really believe that it would be awesome to see ben schwartz as yeah spider-man i think it'd be awesome and that's not to slight no that guy's great i think garfield's doing a great job but i kind of think he looks a little bit like a slightly tougher ben schwartz i'm gonna amend this i i think ben schwartz would be cool in a new spider-man tv series Oh yeah. Well, he's the voice of. Uh, he can play more Peter Parker. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that would be that would be cool. He's the the voice. Almost of like a small Bill Randy style Cunningham. Show, maybe. Oh, I can see that. The build up to the costume. I can see that. Because that's what we need is another film representation of Spider-Man's origin. Yeah, we definitely need that. <laughs> no, but you could follow his his exploits. Yeah, like early stuff. That'd yeah, be cool. You could do it. You did it or well. Hell, we've already had two reboots. Just just do a whole different thing. Yeah. That's fine. All right, cool. Well, so uh, for SnickCast, leave an iTunes review. Like the Facebook page. Email snickcast at yahoo.com. Twitter at Snickcast. Yeah, that's going to do it. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. Later.